On the Pilot TV podcast this week, we're accused of a crime we didn't commit and on the run from the law in Apple's suspicion, embarking on the holiday from hell in No Return on ITV and cozying up to famous folk, not with Boyd Hilton for a change, but with Rose Matafeo in Starstruck on BBC Two. Plus, we are up to our arms in bodily fluids in This Is Going To Hurt, the adaptation of Adam Kay's harrowing account of frontline NHS work, which airs on BBC One, and Adam himself will be dropping by a little bit later to give us some of those gory details first-hand. I'm James Dyer, and welcome to the Pilot TV Podcast, a show that comes to you this week with a message from a very important charity that does incredible work for a cause near and dear to our hearts. Fountains for Cats have made it their life's work to ensure that no domesticated house feline need degrade itself by drinking from a bowl ever again, providing a range of wildly middle-class drinkable water features to service all your elitist Moggy's needs. We break now for a few words from the Foundation's chair, Beth Webb. (laughs) I mean, if I've ever heard in in a series of words associated with myself, elitist Moggy, in this life, me and my scrappy, risky, the privileged, snooty. (laughs) (laughs) No, she's back on the bowl this week. She's back on bowl water. So hang on, but what happens to the water feature? It's not. It's not water feature. There's not like a cherub kind of spitting water out directly (laughs) into Risky's little mouth, and she like sits there with her little tongue out. No, it was this. It's a little bit of a shitty. God, this just makes it sound so. (laughs) Can we have a picture? Can we have a picture that we can share on the Pilot TV Um, social channels? I will get. I will get one. Is it a case of don't fuck with fountains for cats? (laughs) (laughs) No, it was just. It was a bit of an old one that we got when we first got her, and she was kind of getting to know the layout of the house, and then we just popped her on a on a just a regular bowl um, and then when she was poorly and was struggling to kind of drink that's when we got the water f- fountain back out I'm boring myself as I'm saying <clears> this <throat> now that she is better we're back on the bowl oh right okay and the water f- feature has gone like into a cupboard straight in the bin right, it's gone it's you bin no, you've joking. thrown just, it away I just throw it <laughs> think of all the thousands of parched cats out there that could have benefited from owning this thing yeah I might bring it into well I'm in bring the, office the office now yeah. I'll bring it into the office and yeah. drink from it you could lap from it at your desk yeah <laughs> uh, for next week's update on the uh, cat fountain, uh, please join us here on the Pilot TV podcast, <laughs> where this will become a regular feature. Um, can I do, unless this is part of your introduction, can I give a special shout out to Pumpkin if uh, he's listening? Did you see that on Twitter? Pumpkin yes, the cat. Pumpkin the cat, yeah. Listen to our three hours of our podcast with yeah. his owner. I believe it's Sarah was her name. I'm yeah. so sorry. I remember the name of the cat and not the listener. That's fair. Um, but the most extraordinary um, photo of Pumpkin the cat just sat on the dashboard of the car where I believe he sat for the entire duration of the drive. Not to, not to you know, cast aspersions at Sarah's driving prowess, but is that legal? <laughs> can you have a, an no. actual... I mean, you can have surely like a Garfield or something on your dashboard. That's absolutely fine. Can you have an actual live yeah, it's a worry. Cat? It's a worry. She also, Sarah also, is, if it is indeed Sarah, we should have checked, um, uh, mooted having a celebrity cat gathering with me and my celebrity friends. But then yeah. initially I thought she meant... With my celebrity friends, joined by her and her cat. And then she seemed to imply that she meant celebrity cats. <laughs> and I don't really know. I mean, funnily enough, I do kind of know Ricky Gervais and Jane, Rick and Jane's cats. So you know a celebrity cat? So you do one. know a celebrity so cat? So one celebrity okay. cat. I, I mean, I, you know, I've and met. And Risky now as well. <laughs> yeah, right, too. Right. But I don't know which other ones I could think of. So anyway, that, would seem, that did seem to be part of her... Um, 
part of her uh, um, message to us. Yeah. That, that's what, part of her dream, the dream. Yeah. The cat, the, living the cat dream. Something she's hoping to put out in the universe. Yeah. But I was just astonished that this cat had sat perfectly still. Well, well it seemed to look like he was sitting perfectly still. It comes back to that episode of Friends, you know, when Ross has that cat attached to his face and it's like dancing around on, right. the, on the balcony. Yeah. Yeah. And I just, that surely it's an accident waiting to happen. You know, oh, you're gotcha. driving down the A1M and suddenly, you know, what's Pumpkin leaps off the dashboard, like tries to claw your face off, as yeah. all cats will do at one time well, or we another. Know somewhat, what, colleague of ours, a Absolutely, yeah. literally, nearly took his eye out. Off, yeah. yeah. I mean, horrific. I mean, they're Get not sociopaths, little furry sociopaths, yeah. that's what they are. I, yeah, I'm not very... Pro cat, I have to say. It's dogs are best. Dogs are best, dogs aren't are best. they? They are. Yeah. Dogs are fine. Dogs are great. No, dogs Love are, a dog. Dogs are better. Yeah. I'm just saying, you know, if uh, if Midnight Mass taught us anything, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. my Flanagan is not a cat person. <laughs> yes. um, but uh, Boyd is also here, I should say. The, <laughs> yeah. the sun around which all celebrities revolve, the centre of the televisual solar system, and a big old shining star, the radiant Mr. Boyd Hilton. I see that's radiant. Know, radiant I, yes. I, I, this must that's be the first really time I've ever been called radiant. Yeah, especially you are radiant. I'm in a day where I feel exhausted, tired, and hungry. But that's thank you very much. You're, you're, you're welcome. Mm. You're welcome. Um, so okay. Right. Well, we've exhausted the cat-based small talk. So should we just move on to what we've been watching this week? Who would like to kick off? Uh, I'd like to kick off with sort of a question to Boyd, which is how the fuck has Euphoria's second season viewing figures doubled from the first season? Yeah, good point. It's fucking nonsense. (laughs) (laughs) It's absolutely nonsense. I'm on episode four now. I know you've charged on with like seven, but I'm on episode four. It's absolute fucking nonsense. It's for the one where we see the dad... Eric Dane's peen, yeah. Yeah, the the, the kind of closeted gay dad. Yeah. His kind of, um, what should we call it, his um, voyage into hell. Yeah. 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 First of all, it doesn't surprise me that viewing figures have doubled because Zendaya is this half of this show, right? She's a massive superstar now. I mean, you think of yeah. think of you know, from she was a star before. Now she's got the new Spider-Man film, you know, the biggest film of the year by far. Yeah, it's done all right. It's done all right. <laughs> so I think that's a factor. You know, she's got a massive fan base. Yeah. So I think it's and and I think generally you, the first season kind of went under the radar a bit in terms of I don't think. HBO really knew what they had on their hands and I think they were maybe a little bit worried about just how hardcore it is for what is ostensibly a teen drama even though they're all played by people in their 20s. Yeah. But so I think I've this is completely my own interpretation I have no evidence of this whatsoever but yeah. I do feel like then they realised we were waiting what like 18 months to nearly two years for this in second series yeah. and now they've got where well, they've got the, the talent of the of the writer-director who also made that film that annoyed me <laughs> he became more famous Yeah. she's be- become more famous by by a huge factor. Yeah. Um, and so I think the whole thing, I think HB is like just put way more into promoting it. Yeah. Um, and same as has, has Sky as well here, Sky and now now. Yeah. So I so it doesn't surprise me. The viewing feels and I think that there's no relation to the quality, yeah. as you are alluding to. <laughs> now I funnily enough, I'm completely in two minds. I think I probably said this when we reviewed yeah, it. Yeah. I'm still in those two minds because there are elements of it that I think are brilliant. The, it's so brilliant. It's, it's really ambitious visually and, you know, the way it's directed. I think the performances are incredible, particularly Zendaya, but generally. And it's unbelievably explicit in that, you know, the, the, the penis count and all of that. And yet at the same time, I know what you mean because it is, there are absolutely preposterous. It bears no relation to reality whatsoever no. that's for sure no. and I don't believe a word of it but 
I still find it. I still have to watch it. I can't not watch it. And I think there are a lot of people I've, I've seen online, you know, talking about this who feel the same way that even though you're slightly appalled, slightly like, you know, it is a bit ridiculous, but we have to carry on watching it. I guess so. It is just starting to border on exploitative now to the point where, because it's yeah. not weighted in any. Oh, I mean, there's stuff I've already said. I won't say it again, but it just feels like it's gone into complete, completely into melodrama now. There's no actual social commentary. It's all been chucked yeah, out the window, and it's all very soapy now. Also, so many penis. It is, this is definitely the yeah. year of the pee. Yeah, oh gotcha. <laughs> so, yeah. what have we had so far? We've had Tommy Lee. Yeah. We've had Harry in, um, and just like that, which was a reason why people told me to go back and watch <laughs> the show. I think these sickos on Twitter that are like, no, you see full. Until Harry, you've got to go back and watch it. Um, yeah. And now this, now Eric Dane, getting yeah, it out, uh, uh, whipping out. Yeah, doesn't does we get onto this is going to does Ben? I, I didn't rewatch the first episode. Does Ben kind of strips off, doesn't he? In the in the first episode, of, he does. Yes. Does he do, do you see his knob? I can't you, remember. You do not. No, okay, no. fine. Um, but only yeah. the consultant does. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yes. The consultant sees his knob. I knew there was a knob based scene. Yeah. Um, it is the year of the of the knob. Yes. And but I think that it's, it's interesting that. Euphoria is an equal opportunities exploitation, isn't it? It's like it exploits the female and male stars oh, nudity. Definitely. See, Helen always says this, and she always says, like, when we talk about sort of it's balancing the scales, and Helen, Helen's famous line is Helen O'Hara. Yes, because Helen O'Hara from the Empire podcast says, about. Men overestimate how much women want to see them naked. <laughs> like, this is a general uh, truth yeah. that she holds to. Yeah. But there seems to be some excitement about the naked female form for men on screen. And she's like, We're women, we're always like, Yeah. So I can't speak to mm. that. Beth, how do you feel about, about the peen counts on television? I Too mean, much or not enough? <laughs> I mean, I would rather they lowered the amount of female nudity to bring it down. As, rather as than opposed a, to bringing this up to yeah, me too. Bringing right. up the cock count, I'd rather, yeah, just, just lower the amount of completely unnecessary nudity, which I feel like is just happening more and more for some reason, especially in this show, which again, I mean, we've spoken about it a bit, bit murky territory here, but yeah. So that's yeah. that's one of the things I've been watching this week. Um, thanks to one of our listeners who tweeted in, I am now actually continuing High Fidelity, which I didn't finish oh, yeah. when it came How out. How on earth did I you know. stop that? See, that is a show I can't even imagine stopping without finishing. It was so good. Yeah, no. So I'm back on that, back in business, because that's all on Disney Plus now. You can stream that. So that's really good. Um, and then I'm disappointed to say Station Eleven is losing me a little bit. Oh, yeah. interesting. Yeah, I just, I just don't love kind of falling in love with a first episode of something and what the the content of that first episode is, and then not seeing it again for well, like four it's, hours. It's not really indicative of the series of a it's whole. It's not indicative no. at all. No. And it works. Too. I mean, we were talking earlier in the office about um, Yellow Jackets and how the opening of that works in a really kind of scintillating way. Like you can't wait to see what actually is going to happen there manifest. Bit annoying. We've got to wait till the second season, but we'll take it. Sure. This, this is like the season opener, and then it. It's just stopped. But weirdly for me, like I guess maybe I went into this knowing what this because the leftovers isn't dissimilar, where it starts with an event and then the show is a meditation on the psychological impact of that event rather than about the mystery of the event. And this seems to be it's a similar thing. It's looking at life and how people exist in this sort of altered world and the bonds between people. And I haven't finished it yet either, which is, again, it's a similar thing that I'm I'm pacing myself with Station Eleven. I'm like, instead of binging it in one go, I'm watching them here and there among other things because it's like a bit of a mood piece for me. Yes, I am. And I think that's what's pissing me off. It's like, <laughs> right, so we've got Hamish Patel. We've got this like great first story here. Yeah. I want to know what's going on in that apartment. And it, am I ever going to find out? Probably. Hopefully by not. the end. They're in an airport. 
court at the moment with a completely different character and about what's happening in that. And you're talking about these bonds, like you can't form, a, there's no bonds formed because by the time you're like in, in the crux of that relationship, you're off somewhere else. Completely different person, completely different point of view. It's like, it's become... I just don't like it when it comes to conceptual and it's 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 trying to build these little communities in all these different places with no ties between them. It's pissed me off a little bit, to be honest. Oh, oh you've lost Beth. She's I, turned. I know what you mean because I would say this. It hasn't lost me to that level, but I do feel like the leftovers dealt with that stuff better. Yeah. And I don't know whether that's because that team of writers... And, you know, going back to the original, I've never, I haven't read the novel of the flows, but I, I don't know. I just get, it's kind of all about that. And I, and I feel like this is a little bit, the way it's touching upon that isn't entirely, I agree with you, isn't, isn't entirely successful. It's, it's, but I'm still, compa- I haven't finished it either, but I'm definitely, yeah. I mean, you know, I'm on three or four episodes. I still, I'm still with it, but I know the element of it, I think is not quite as. It's just, it's losing the heart a little bit. And right, I've not yeah. read the book. A friend's told me it's very brutal and concise and punchy, which is obviously just not going to happen in this anyway. But at least I could go over that if there was some real kind of, we're not even really getting character development, really, at this stage, I don't think. And the, the people that I was really enamoured with in that first episode are very seen. And because I'm spacing them out like you are, and they're what, an hour each, that means a very long time between your investment in that and, and where you are now. I if, don't know. It feels to me like like a to use an art analogy it feels like they've drawn like wow. a nice pencil sketch in the first episode and then they go back and they're now colouring in the little bits like adding a little bit of detail here a little bit of shadow there and you're just like could you just finish the picture and then no hang on I just this leaf isn't the right shade of green like, fuck the leaf just get on draw the rest of it <laughs> I, like, I, I do I get what you're feeling but I think it, again with Leftovers I felt like you could get very obsessed with the larger picture but Leftovers was all about the leaf yeah. the leaf was all there was because the promise of that show was the opposite of Lost where Lost where they promised all these answers and they gave you none of them and Leftovers was a show that promised there would be no answers it said we will never answer this question that's not what we're here to do and then ironically they answered it anyway but <laughs> but it was all about it was all about the journey journey over destination mm. that was Leftovers the problem is that the Leftovers is one of the probably five greatest TV series of all time sure and this isn't no but it's, no, it's but really it's good. really it's very, really very good, good. Special. and I, I, can't, I, I think all of us clearly can't quite shake the comparison from the left, and I annoy yeah. myself by banging on about, and it's it, unfair because this is based on a unfair, novel. Right? They're not exactly. trying to do I the think, leftovers again. I, I think if I didn't haven't had the leftovers obsession going on, and aware that people from leftovers worked on this show, then I would be wouldn't be worrying about it as much. But mm. I still think the strands. You're right. The strand. The leftovers dealt with didn't have. They dealt with the different strands so well. The yeah. The, the the cuts between the different characters and the. You know, and the, the way they dealt with it was just, mm. just um, but then, do you not think this is like a, to use a food analogy? Like <laughs> wow, this feels you a bit like, analogies. I know I'm all about analogies today. Like this feels like like this is your greens, isn't it? Like this is like this is showing you think this show is really good for me. And while I know it's part of a balanced diet, and actually I'm glad that I'm eating this because it is very good for me. You know, a Reacher is essentially your Nando's. Like you think, oh, I really fancy a cheeky Reacher. Like I could go and watch five Reachers in a row. That's your Peri Peri chips. And, yeah, lunch, I have been to Nando's for lunch. That's yeah. true. But <laughs> yeah, very disturbing. But genuinely, like Reacher's your junk food. You know, it's like moreish. Yeah. It's trash, yeah, yeah, but yeah. you really enjoy it, even though you know it's not very good for you. Whereas I think Station Eleven, you do enjoy it, but it's more refined. It's mm. it's, it's more got more fibre in it. No, it's pissing me off. <laughs> is it, to continue, I don't want to continue this art analogy because it's wanky, but it's like getting a, a, a drawing of a tree 
and you're starting to see the tree and get invested in the tree and they're like nope and then they put the tree picture in the bin do a completely different picture and then there's like a leaf from the tree in it and you're yeah. like is that they is go that to the sculpture garden and they look it's a sculpture of the of the thing yeah, yeah rather than the tree paintings being ignored and I'm not I'm we've gone very abstract this week haven't we art analogy that you have tortuously imposed on us I think I preferred the food one um, yeah. alright fine okay so best not get on with station 11 Boydy what have you been oh, watching I've got quite a lot to mention oh Sorry. good god get ready yeah you can you can do your emails if you want. Oh, fine, fine. fine. I won't be offended. Please tell me about all the shows I will never, ever, ever watch. Yeah, yeah. Well, part one of them is is what have you finished? The what have you finished? Strand, right? Yeah. Yeah. The the responder. So the responder. All five episodes. And I have to, I wanted to congratulate the BBC because they scheduled this really cleverly. I think they had the first two in a couple of weeks ago and the th- next three stripped across Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday of this week. As we, So as we're recording this Thursday, listeners, the last episode went out last night. Right. I watched them all. And I think it got, I thought the second episode was, um, I mean, the, we loved the I think we all loved it, I seem to remember. The second episode was even more extraordinary than the first. And then it got more and more extraordinary. And it's. I think it's, now, I think it's up there with a multi-award winning, you know, this deserves, going to deserve BAFTAs. It's, it's, it's gonna, this year's time, isn't it? It's this, but even more... Cool, steady. Ooh. I think time was very much a, a fantastic, brilliant, self-contained mm. thing. I think this will I think this will get recommissioned, definitely, um, because it couldn't be ongoing, even though it does resolve things, all kinds of things, brilliantly. Um, it's, it's, it's more of a portrait of a man and his, you know, and his whole world and of, and of the police after dark and all of that. I think it's, it's slightly more... It feels like a more of a, even more of a of, of a of a singular achievement, really. That I mean, yeah. Forget the comparison of time. Yeah. <laughs> it's just. It, do, you, do you have a food of analogy itself, that you could make? I have no analogies. <laughs> in and of itself, it's a fantastic achievement. Um, you know, and when you think it's this is the first time, right? Tony Schumacher. He's written books before. This is his first TV project. Incredible story. He he tweeted last night his kind of explanation of how it came to be. Um, which is just in- inspiring because he's a working class guy from Liverpool, yeah. you know, who did this job and has transplanted it onto like the most ambitious way of telling this story. The whole, everything about it, the look of it, the way it's directed and acted, and, and then just multiple strands. Just an incredibly ambitious piece of TV drama. So I just wanted to big that up even more. I have watched some of Murderville, the Netflix Americanization of Murder in Successville uh, that Big Tom Davis create, co-created with his friend James DeFrond here. It was a BBC Three classic. And the American version, the first episode, features Conan O'Brien and Will Arnett is the Tom Davis character. Will Arnett is this detective. Yeah. And the whole brilliant um, idea of it um, that Tom created with his friend was that a, a, a celebrity or actor comes in and they have to, they effectively are, are making up what they do and say they're improvising as it goes along and there is a a mystery they have to solve together now the BBC 3 version was even more complex because the BBC 3 version had the celebrity guest coming while Big Tom played the detective and they were solving cases but all the characters in the BBC 3 version were celebrity characters played by impersonators impressions do do you ever see yeah so like yeah so like you'd have like like, you you had famous people like um, Gordon Ramsay would be a character played by an impressionist and Arsene Wenger would pop up and it was so wildly demented yeah. that was 
so they've dis- this America version interestingly has dispensed with that element. Mm-hmm. So there aren't like loads of um, necessarily loads of every every single character, every suspect is a is a celebrity impersonated by someone, but it's still an improvised thing. And I love Conan O'Brien anyway. I mean, I I've always loved Conan O'Brien going back to his very first, you know, when he arrived as a as a uh, chat show host and he worked on The Simpsons, etc. He is fantastic as the first guest. Sharon Stone's in a later episode. I can't wait yeah. to see that one. But it, but I love Will Arnett with his gravelly voice. It really works, I think. And it's got a bigger budget because the so the BBC Three version literally had like about a ten quid, you know, budget. And how they pulled off whatever they fucking pulled off with that show originally was amazing. But to see it with a proper American TV budget, as big, you know, not huge, but as big as it needs to be, yeah. is a real pleasure. So I'm enjoying that. And I have to mention um, the Curse, which is Tom Davis's own show, which I mentioned last week. Which I went to the launch of this week and was a fantastic event. I've watched more episodes of that. I've nearly finished that, and that is a fantastic comedy crime caper, eighties set, brilliant soundtrack, Talking Heads, um, Tears for Fears, The Clash. The characters are hilarious, and I just really like a comedy caper, a proper comedy caper, yeah. where there's a robbery and everything goes wrong. So I'm loving that. And one more, James. I haven't finished yet. <laughs> Sorry, the Tinder Swindler. Oh, the doc, the documentary thing. The documentary yeah. thing. Now, this is an example of why we miss some things because it's a feature-length, one-off documentary on Netflix that everyone is talking about. Everyone's going to be obsessed with, but we can't review it because it's a one-off film. We've, in we've done one-offs in the past, admittedly under sufferance from my under part. Sufferance. But yeah, but so so okay. So why so talk talk to us about this? Because I've heard someone. Because the only thing I know about this is that someone once said, "I don't understand why Tilda Swinton wasn't in this, so it wasn't called the Tilda <laughs> the Tilda Tinder Swindler," which. <laughs> I think would have been the greatest bit of casting in the history of the world. But um, what is it? It's tell, a documentary. It. It's a feature-length two-hour documentary. A film. Yeah, sure, go on. It's, <laughs> right, I'm going to this fucking torture conversation we used to have with Terry every other week. <laughs> it's a film, we can't do it's a film. It's not a film, it's a one-off feature-length It's drama a one-off feature-length drama event. Anyway, this is a one-off feature-length documentary from the people who brought us Don't Fuck With Cats. <laughs> Um, Thank you. About, which was a series. Yeah. This is about the most incredible, one of the most incredible examples of a con man who operated via Tinder, the dating app, um, and wheedled his way into the lives of these women, multiple women. And the women tell the story um, of how they, you know, how they fell for him and what happened. And it's just it's one of those stories where the the more as you're taken down than through the narrative, and there's more and more things get revealed and unveiled about just how incredible his cons were. I mean, he would take these women to lavish locations. He pretended to be a billionaire, like involved in diamonds, and it's it's kind of I've seen some I think really harsh and misguided people talking about the women. You know, say how how could they possibly have fallen for it? You know, right. kind of implicitly critiquing them or almost ridiculing them for falling for it but and one of them like for example one of them talks about really early on in in the um program about how she was obsessed with beauty and the beast the disney cartoon and she the idea of a prince charming and all that and you're like she's being honest about you know what she loved in her life and and they're all being very honest and they and they do you know they themselves question how the hell they fell for it but he was one of the most skilled and grandiose 
of con men you're ever likely to hit to see and hear about just how ambitious his cons were and the extent to which he got into their lives and, and extracted money etc from them. it's just an amazing story the act uh, why i felt this a little bit about, about don't fuck with cats which is that actually the filmmaking is kind of a, sometimes a little bit dodgy and a little bit kind of like they explain what tinder is in a very basic way which i have to but they still do it in a quite a basic way at the beginning it's quite funny and there are moments where you think oh but i have to say What's good about it is it is a one-off, two-hour thing. It could have they could have spun it out into three, four, five parts yeah. probably if they really wanted to milk it. But actually, it's a kind of a brilliantly self-contained um, uh, account of an absolutely extraordinary story. So yeah, I think people, everyone who sees it is going to be obsessed with it. Did I ever tell you the story about I had a Tinder swindler? <gasps> have I ever told you the story? I mean, I no. no. It's 100% true. It's 100% true. Wow. Someone, some poor misguided soul out there once pretended to be me to get girls. Now... Anyone who's ever met oh me would know that. Shinny reckon. Yeah, absolutely true. Anyone who's ever met me would know that this is not necessarily putting him at an advantage. But <laughs> genuinely, genuinely, this is absolutely true. He had told someone, she'd met him, I think it was on Tinder, uh, and she said, what do you do? He said, oh, I work for Empire Magazine. My name's James Dyer. I'm, <gasps> I you know, run Digital Vampire. And, um, and they'd been dating for a little while. But it turns out that she's friends with someone who's one of the publicists of the studios. Uh, and she was saying, blah, 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 my boyfriend, oh, who was his name? James, his name's James Dari, he works for boyfriend. Empire. And the studio was like, oh, what? And they were like, oh, I know him really well. Like, that's, you know, and and at the time, I was obviously in a relationship. And they're like, but we, we've we met James's girlfriend. So that's <gasps> weird. Oh and then she God. showed them a picture. And they were like, that's not James Dari. Oh, my God. <laughs> that's some other Middle class white man. What did he look like? I don't know. I didn't oh, get the picture. Oh, I never saw him. I don't know if he was bald. I've no Thank idea. James we have to uh, find that picture. But it, so I should qualify. I'm I'm reasonably, I guess, Googleable. But I think it yeah. was. So it was quite a while ago. So it was at the Empire Awards when Schwarzenegger was there. So, God, I want to say actually, it must have been about ten years ago. So this is not a recent thing. <sighs> and and genuinely, and apparently, so the girl went to him, confronted him with this information, and he fessed up to the whole thing. Oh and he basically God. said, "I wanted <laughs> this. This is the damning was frame pricing." He said, "I wanted someone who who seemed believable, whose job was cool, but was believable enough, like shit enough, <laughs> that I could get away with it because no one really knows who he is, and he's actually." a bit sheer but it sounds like a cool job but he's what not like a celebrity scumbag. so I was just like wow I'm not sure if I should be like flattered or really insulted <laughs> by this I whole thing I can't believe I haven't seen the episode of Catfish about this whole story it's, this whole story. Yeah. it's nuts it is oh, nuts you need to have a documentary I should, I should actually get the yeah. publicist on to explain yes. I'm sure she can tell it much better than I could uh, because obviously wow. I, she told me it like wow. 10 years ago but, I hope uh, he's fucking listening you piece of shit I mean honestly it's like mate seriously try someone else I was, you're barking up the wrong or just be um, your authentic self. Or just, or just be Maybe honest. Maybe don't deceive yeah. women. Yeah. Maybe don't deceive women. Maybe don't do that. Yeah. Maybe don't Jesus do that. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Pretended to be me. So that yeah. is amazing. That's it. My okay. own celebrity well. impersonator. <laughs> The dire swindler. That's it. That's it. That be, I, Netflix, Netflix, if you're listening, yeah. I am very, very prepared to sell yeah. the rights to this story to you uh, for a don't, mid to low seven figure sum. Don't fuck but with no, James. It should happen with the woman. The woman should be the person to tell that story. I'm, I'm the victim here. I'm the victim. <laughs> I had my, my identity stolen by this sort of like evil Lothario. Um, yeah. Vile. Absolutely true. Vile. Right, Boyd, have you finished with shows that I'm never going to (laughs) watch? I've kind of finished there. The Bay I'm continuing watching as well, which is still excellent. I'm watching that live every week. Episode four this week was excellent. We showed a Muslim wedding, which is something you very... Not Muslim funeral, sorry. Which is one thing you've 
if possibly never seen in a TV drama yeah. and was quite astonishing um, and has a really good character in it who's um, a teenage, a, a deaf guy played by Nadim Islam that I mentioned last week. In fact, I have a little tweet to read out. A this tweet. Will be, this will be my last. A little tweet. A little tweet. A little tweet. Pete Oliver got in touch to talk about the, um, having deaf characters in TV shows. And he says, um, there's something you touched upon during this week's pod that I wanted to expand on. There's a lot made about the importance of representation and diversity in the arts. And as someone who is deaf, I'm so happy that Disney has addressed this in not one but two shows this year. I may have actually teared up a bit during the ASL episode of Only Murders in the Building, which we've talked about. Both this and Hawkeye have handled their deaf characters with empathy, showing the frustrations we sometimes feel when we can't hear people. But I've done this without caricature. I'm 36 and I've only recently stopped feeling embarrassed about watching movies and TV with captions in front of other people. This is something I've done since I bought my first TV with teletext a squillion years ago (laughs) and then when DVDs came out, but I would always turn them off when watching with other people. That Disney are planning an Echo series will hopefully similarly empower young people with hearing issues not to feel ashamed and to feel comfortable recognising they're not defined by their disability. Apologies for the long message, all the best. That is lovely. That is wonderful. Yeah, the disabilities in both those shows are handled. I'm not an expert by any means or like not the most qualified, but... But here's a signing question for you like the sign language in Eternals is that ASL I believe so but I was just curious because obviously ASL is very distinct to BSL yeah because BSL is very dual channel you use both hands ASL they tend to use one I, I can sign a bit in BSL right and they uh, and they only use one hand for ASL so I watched it and I was like oh is that is that American Sign Language I'm presuming it's not you know Eternal sign language, like it actually is. I think it must be, mustn't it? I guess that's mm. an artistic license in terms. Of I mean, which is fair, yeah, which is be, fair, because yeah. they're looking at their largest market and thinking, yeah. you know, yeah. The Bay character can BSL. It. He's a British, yeah. young deaf character, and he's so brilliantly played. I have to say, yeah, yeah. But I thought that was a really interesting uh, insight. Really interesting. Lovely, lovely. What, it's- James? I've finished now. <laughs> you can go ahead with either the Expanse, yeah. Reacher, yeah. Um, whatever. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, I haven't been watching anything, but apparently fake James Dar has been watching all kinds of things, <laughs> and he's written in to say that, uh, no, um, I, I actually haven't watched nothing. I've, I've had a bit of a weird week this week, so I've actually been comfort watching The West Wing, So, and, which I'm not going to talk to everyone about because nobody needs to hear me bang on about The West Wing again, but I've been, uh, <laughs> I've been wallowing in a bit of West Wing. I do want to talk a little bit about uh, The Book of Boba Fett, where... <laughs> I know we did this oh last God, week, yeah. but this, for those again, apologies, spoilers. But by the time you hear this, it will be nearly a week after it aired. Like this is the second episode of the Book of Boba Fett in a row that does not feature Boba Fett. And just to make it absolutely clear, how few fucks are given yeah. about actual Boba Fett. He's in this episode, but he's not even given any lines. He just fucking stands there. Too fucking rare. Oh, it's what I was. What a wild. What? Like what? It's what like going on? getting four episodes into a show called Boba Fett and then relegating the lead character for best show in that universe. Yeah. It's just I was watching it yesterday and I was just like, it's like watching Emmerdale <laughs> and then suddenly watching like The Godfather. And you're just like, where the where has that come from? <laughs> Why is Marlon Brando in Emmerdale? Why? This is very confusing. Yeah, oh my god, that would be brilliant. Yeah, dead, it just just uh, just astonishing. Yeah, it and really it is. didn't just stop with Mando. All the characters. Mm. Oh, it, just, it, it was almost like how many characters that are more interesting than Boba Fett can you fit in a single episode of Boba Fett 
it, it really is quite funny. And I know I plug this shamelessly. And I do, although someone did actually tweet me to say, were these spoiler specials you're talking about? Where are they? Well, funny, you should ask. EmpireOnline.com slash spoiler specials. They don't show up on Apple Podcasts or anything like that. You have to go via the, the subscription page on the website. Uh, but we have been doing episode by episode breakdowns of The Book of Boba Fett. And they have been a blast because like, we didn't like it from the beginning. And it's only got more acute <laughs> the further it's gone along. At this point, we're basically just hurling feces at the screen. It's it's pretty entertaining. So uh, I do encourage you to check that but out. It the is most much recent one was now that it's avoided Boba Yes, Fett. it was yeah, brilliant, obviously. but it's just it's not the book of Boba Fett. Yeah. It's just Mandalorian 2.5. Like, I'm not the first, but it is like someone else I saw said this, that it's like the creators and writers just halfway through went, actually, we're bored with, with well, it. We need but to, we need this to is to the it. point, isn't it? Because some people are saying, oh, do you think they've been reacting to the negative? Well, no, because they've made the series no, well, already. Yeah, yeah. No, but they can't yeah that would be incredible. Genuinely. Imagine they just... I know SFX are like very sophisticated now with a digital wall. No, get rid of him. But clearly, you're right. that They've just got bored writing about him because he's so shit. And they were like, what do we just brought these characters in? What about those characters? And You remember Luke Skywalker? He was quite good. It's a stealth bait and switch of some genius yeah, really it is way, it yeah. is but I have to say like I really enjoyed episode 5 which was the first Mando episode this episode though like almost kicked it up another notch it was Star <laughs> yeah. Wars fan service the likes of which I've almost never seen but in the best possible way yeah. and it looked like it cost a fucking fortune yeah. and it was amazing television yeah. it was and yeah. it's gone from being like the worst show that I'm kind of just hate watching for work to this show that is amazing because it is no longer the show that it's set out to be I yeah. have a whole conspiracy theory that this is all deliberate deliberate up to deliberate by Disney Plus because it gets what they need is to get people paying attention to this stuff to mm. get subscribers and I think it's a really good story that this show became started out as a lame spin-off Star Wars spin-off about character no one gives a shit about and it was like clearly they <laughs> they didn't even give a shit about it. and then halfway through it becomes the bait and switch and turns into the great fan service and so more and more people are talking if it just been a Decent, you know, series, mm. and they. But I, I think, I mean, I know it's conspiratorial, but it's all working so brilliantly for them. Mm. You know, the more people are talking about it, more it's more interesting than just another spin-off. If it'd been fine, so yeah, I mean, they must be fucking thrilled because I keep swearing a lot today. Sorry, that's fine. Well, Carry on. Uh, but yes, yeah, so I just think it's a really clever. I wonder how it. clever it is. Like, I, I always, know. I always have like I used MCU as a counter on. Like, MCU feels like it's it's this like they're playing four dimensional chess like three years in advance. Like mm. everything seems very carefully planned. And Star Wars, it does feel like three like six year olds have been given a box of Star Wars figures and just been told <laughs> to go nuts and do whatever they want. Like because even the films don't really marry up. Like yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. I got whiplash from one film to the next when they were doing the sequel trilogy. It's yeah. like what is happening? Yeah. And it feels like a little bit like this. They are. I. I I'm not going to say they're making it up as they go along, though mm. it does feel like they're making it up as they go along. Yeah. So, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. Anyway, so I've been yeah. watching that, uh, <laughs> and that's basically it. Fine. Yeah. Sorry. Um, now, we had two potential listener questions, so I'm going to give you three options. Do we go with question one, question B, or question C, by which we just skip the listener question? So which one would you like to do? I thought we'd agreed to do the um, the Dalek one. Right. Okay. Okay. I'm going to dig this out for you live. I'm excited about that we're back in the studio. I should probably mention that we are back in the studio. Ooh. We are in person, in the flesh here. 
Um, it's very exciting. Beth's brought in a little fountain for us to drink from. It's nice. Say. Also, um, I work here now, which is funny. That is true. Beth actually works here. This is her first time back in the office as her office. Yeah. Get uh, to stare at the back of James's head. Yeah. yeah. Eight hours a day. It's very exciting for you. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Okay. So we had a message here and it is from Daily Dalek and it is nothing if not on brand. At Pilot TV Pod, if you could exterminate any character in any TV show, which character would it be and why would it be the Doctor, enemy of the Dalek? Um, yes, I, I do love a parody account that stays in character. So, like, yeah, I mean, like, I'm not going to lie. I have not prepared an answer for this question. But Boyd, who would you like to exterminate? Well, no, I mean, this, I've mentioned this before, but I'm, I have to mention it again. Um, Anthony LaPaglia. <laughs> What's wrong with Anthony LaPaglia? In Frasier. Oh. Played Daf- Daphne's brother, Simon. Simon Moon. And had the worst Cockney accent in history. Not only that, it doesn't make sense that he's Cockney because she's from Manchester <laughs> and the family's from Manchester. Um, he is he calls her Daphne for a start. He's also a genuinely annoying. He's supposed to be like a kind of like a like a womanizer to use that horribly dated phrase, but yeah. that's what he is. Like one-dimensional, awful, irritating twat of a character who ruined many episodes of Frasier for me yeah. including some key episodes actually like you know the wedding and the aftermath you you I'm, will never go never, over that wedding no. you will be that would be your yes, Beth, I'm still talking them. about Frasier as I do every other week <laughs> but it's the wedding in Frasier that's yes, what I'm saying Daphne rose. and Niles fuck that <laughs> should never have happened um, then so that's one I always bang on about and this is my number one character who should have been exterminated then I'm going to talk a little bit about Sex and the City and then just like that. I mean, <laughs> let me just say Steve. I know. Interesting. Steve's, just, Steve's the, the nerdy one with glasses, right? Yeah. 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 Is he a fireman? Miranda's husband. Was he a fireman? No. No, no. 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 okay, I've no, got he's that too little to be a fireman. Fine. He's, he's the little nerdy Miranda's yeah. husband. He's a sweetheart. He's had to deal with a lot. The series. Yeah. Don't don't get me wrong. I just find him that whole performance and the whole the way. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> just, I've always, if I'm honest, I'm enjoying this. Yeah. Boyd's gloves are off here. I've always, and do you know what I find interesting? Do you know the name of the actor who plays him, right? No. This is interesting, isn't it? He's David Eigenberg. Okay. Now, I think if I said to you, who is David? You'd never, it's so interesting that you, no one knows what the, this actor's name. David and he's been in, how, you know, year of years yeah. and years and years of yeah. Sex and the City, the films, and now this. And no one knows who the fuck he is. <laughs> I think it's quite interesting. I'm not necessarily. It is interesting. I'm not necessarily kind of blaming him for that, but I think there's right. something, for me, irritating about the character and his performance. <laughs> and yeah. I, 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 you know. So, yeah, I mean, he would be up there. Okay. Um, I'm I'm starting to feel a bit the same way about Shay, the character of Shay in and Oh, that's, like your, that. that's your hill, is it? Because... I mean, yeah, we're now getting into a whole discussion about an ad just like that, which I think we've just finished this week, or was it next week? I think it finished today. I've just seen the training. I haven't seen it yet. I think the finale is today, which I haven't seen yet. Um, But she got more and more annoying as it went on, I think, in many ways. Um, And the whole podcast bloke, the whole podcast thing, like, they're both annoying. They're not, they're supposed to be funny. Yeah. They're not funny. No. Um, So, yeah, they annoyed me, and I would happily have um, seen them gone yeah then historically a couple of Kim Bauer in 24 famously oh poor Kim oh, she on. had to deal with a cougar yeah but she was so annoying wasn't she <laughs> um, and famously equally famously Janice in The Sopranos Tony's sister no one liked Janice no one Janice sucked mm. yeah she sucked so you know in, considering it was a 
you know, one of the greatest shows of all time, obviously, yeah. has a character in it. But who, she's not meant to be likable, is I know, she? I so. know, but everything about the conception of that character. <laughs> See, I often think, like, so what, the characters who are supposed to be terrible, you know, your Janices or your Cersei's or your Joffrey's, like, I don't oh, want I them exterminated because I yeah. love them. Yes, but she doesn't... And I love not, to hate yeah, them. But she doesn't... I think she's just annoying. Yeah. That's the difference. But, like, I like so So I feel like we're on a level now, like Dawn from Buffy, because Terry's not here, I'm going to bring up Buffy. Dawn from Buffy, mm. just a really ill-conceived character. She's supposed to be likable, but you end up wanting her to die. Like, you know, and I felt the same way about Connor in Angel as well. It's just killing right, with fire. Yeah. Absolutely killing yeah. with fire. Can't yeah. be dealing with it. It's characters who they think you're going to like yeah. and you're just like, nobody needs it. So, okay, Boba Fett, let's chuck him in there as well. well. Fucking awful character, kill him. <laughs> yes. um, yeah. Don't Maybe need that will. at all. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that'll be the finale. I reckon so. Speaking of, for me, mm. the bard in The Witcher... I fucking hate yes, it. Yeah, yeah. Toss a coin to your. What are you like? Yeah, right, this I'm, is just fueling it. I like love Yaskia. He's amazing. Yeah. What? I've got new friends. Get over it. He's <laughs> funny. He's so funny. Is it because he's got the whiff of public school about him? Is that why you don't like him? Oh, 100% stinks of it. Stinks of public school. And when they try and make him buff bard in the second season, he's fucking nobody. Absolutely not. I'll give you this, he's somehow even more annoying in season yeah. two than he is in yeah. season one. Because they're trying yeah. to make him a bit more of a like, I know, because we did the, I went to the premiere for the, the second one and <laughs> yeah. we were just looking at him like, oh, what's he done with his hair? I'm, <laughs> I'm sorry to personally attack him, but they're clearly trying to make him into sort of a bit of a, like a British kind of, bit on the side oh yeah. no I hate him hate I, I know him. what you mean I know what you I would, mean yeah. like, and there's so many decent ways he could die as well so it would be as entertaining to watch him be like <laughs> devoured by some banshee <laughs> with like a bit of a past I don't know but yeah. also the fact he's supposed to be the wacky fun element yeah. isn't he of the whole thing I hate him yeah, I hate it's, him. have you interviewed mm. him James Dyer uh, yes yeah I have not interviewed Yaskia ah, yeah, yeah, keep like it that way keep it that so yeah hate the bars <laughs> yeah Here's one that came up. Here's one that comes up a lot for people who don't like characters. I don't know how you can react to this, Beth. Rory Gilmore. No, I was going to say Christopher from, from Gilmore Goes Like Here. Oh, she's all right. People don't like Rory. She is a very straight arrow in a very like wacky world. Um, also, I'm sorry, that was her first acting job. That was her first acting job. No, I'm going to stick with her. Bless her. I, would, I don't want her to die. Like, I think that's... Fair. That's good of you. I think yeah. there's, a, there's a line, isn't there, between just like being <laughs> I, slightly irked by them and wishing them... And actively murder. wishing to yeah. exterminate them. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't like that. And then I've, I think for me... Maybe a triggering word, but I would definitely kill Ross and friends. Ross, no, I mean, yeah, no, I no. Would, I draw uh, the line here. Ross is I'd fucking brilliant. Him. In the words of of Liz Lemon, I would put him <laughs> down with a smile. Oh, <laughs> he's the fucking worst. I James. love Ross. No, I love Ross. No. I kind of do as well. I, I when Friends first started, I was irritated by him. I but, but he was irritated. But this is yes, the thing. yes, yes. As, as we've talked about, yeah. I'm sure many times. Wait, Chandler's arc is he started brilliant and then became mm. less good as he went along, mm. and Ross and Joey both grew into their characters as they start like Joey started off as just like you know he was the stupid character comic relief because he's a bit of a doofus but then he became quite soulful and really interesting as he went along and when they realised that David Trimmer was a really gifted physical comedian they really leaned into that for Ross and I think Ross was just fantastic by the end of it I loved it that said there is a very strong argument that uh, Rachel should have ended up with Joey and not with Ross but let's not get into that here and now oh yeah that would have been great I, I, I think Trimmer I think Schwimmer turned it around yeah. as well. Yeah. I think early, I, I remember I caught an episode, early episode of Friends. I think it was when the reunion happened. I kind of thought I'd do, do a bit of homework because I'm unlike 
everyone else in this podcast historically. I don't watch Friends on a religious basis. Um, so, and I th- in, in the beginning, he was awful. But I think as it wore along, I think he managed to make him less annoying. Well, when the me. monkey left, I think, right, is when he monkey turned. Left, like when Marcel yeah. left, Ross... Yeah. I think yeah, and I love David Schwimmer. He's mm. such a, like even though he's doing adverts at the moment, isn't he? For like um, a, a credit card or something, where he basically has to humiliate himself. Right? I mean, that's the kind of character that he's playing—a kind of you know a version of himself—and right. he throws himself into it. I do Jesus. kind of admire. I mean, I know he's doing that, but making loads of money from it. But I'm like, you know, a lot of that people, would, a lot of people of that level yeah. of fame and success yeah. would not bother. And I kind of almost admire it about him. So yeah. Oh, no, I don't. No. I don't okay, I don't fair like enough. I don't like his Fair reign enough. of terror across the Friends universe, <laughs> across his relationship with Rachel. Uh, yeah, kill him. Okay, right. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, I'm sure the Daily Dalek would appreciate that particular sentiment. <laughs> yeah. But uh, if you have anyone you would like exterminated, please send your questions to us at Pilot TV Pod on whichever social media channel you desire. And uh, Sophie will pick it up and hurl it my way. Right, uh, I think it's time for this week's guest. Should we have Adam Kay on? Let's do that. Um, he is, of course, a comedian and a former doctor, professions that you will discover from this week's This Is Going To Hurt have a great deal in common. Uh, he's written for the likes of Mrs. Brown's Boys and Michelin Webb, but his latest show, which is adapted from his best-selling book of the same name, uh, takes a series of diary entries written when Kay was a junior doctor and shows what it's like to wade into the carnage of hospital work, uh, really with all the guts on display. Um, so here is Adam Kay. Welcome, Adam Kay, a writer, exec producer, creator um, of... This is going to hurt. Now, I remember a few years ago seeing you live doing a little reading from your book, um, your memoirs of your time as a doctor in the NHS. And um, then I think it went on to sell millions. And you wrote another book which sold millions. And you did a live show. And now it's a TV series. How is this a <laughs> slightly surprising turn in your, in your life? It has. It has. I mean, I've got lots of friends who've written books uh, in the past, and I know what's meant to happen, which is you go to a book launch and they read out a bit and you drink some warm white wine and then it sells 15 copies and you sort of never mention it again. And so I just assumed that's what was going to happen uh, with me as well. But it's, it's um, I definitely didn't plan this. No. No. And the TV show, did you always think you should be the one to adapt it? Or did you think, I mean, that's quite a bold move, is it, in a way, with all, you know, with all due respect, you know, you're, <laughs> you could have given it to an experienced screenwriter, for example. But what was it about? Was it because the, the, the material is so personal to you? It's literally about you and your life and what happens to you that you wanted to retain that control, if you like. I... Uh basically wanted myself to be portrayed as amazingly as possible. And I thought if I, if I kept that degree of control, it, that would ensure it. I, I, I ummed and ahed about whether it should be me who adapted it. Um, because, I mean, I've written bits and bobs to tell you before, but it's all been sort of comedy, comedy, never, you know, this, which is sort of leaning much more towards the drama side of things. And I was unable to persuade the production company that it should be a more experienced writer because of two things. One is the sort of personal storytelling of it, the personal truth of it. And the other is um, they thought, and I think I now agree, that a very important thing to try and achieve is a true story from any doctor's point of view. And I mean, there's... 
there's no shortage of medical shows on on telly. I've not invented the genre, but this show in a way is about more than what happens on the wards. It's about the impact of the job on a sort of human being on their, on their life, the toll it takes. And uh, they reckoned that the only person who could truthfully write that is someone who's who's lived it. So that's, uh, for better or worse, how, how I ended up writing it. And in retrospect, writing all seven episodes was an enormous faff. And I could have quite yeah. easily hived a couple of those off. So I've learned that lesson. Uh, but I'm, I'm, I'm pleased that... <sighs> I got a lot of um, correspondence after the book from from doctors and nurses and midwives saying this is one of the first books I've read that really shows what it's like on the front line. And um, if I can achieve that with the the TV show by by subjecting myself to writing so many drafts of the script, uh, then then it'll have definitely been worth it. And and you've ended up with, I have to say, you know, an extraordinary, um, an extraordinarily structured and um, powerful series, which is, which absolutely captures that funny, incredibly funny, but and yet quite bleak tone of, of of the books of your memoir. But what would, did you find it difficult that process of because you've got you know you've got lots of strands to juggle. This isn't just about if it's about you know it's a kind of partly it's it's a it's a romance or it's certainly you know between you and your husband, you know, it's, it's, um, it's an indictment of, I guess, you know, the way the NHS has to work, has to operate, and also an account of, of what life is really like in the NHS and all of that. There's a lot going on for you to juggle. How did you find that process? It wasn't the easiest adaptation. So I dare say if it was like a crime drama, you can almost sort of, you can see, oh, this chapter is this scene. This is very much, you know, scattergun diaries that I wrote at the time. And you're right, there were various things that I wanted to tell. Ultimately, I want it to be a love letter to the NHS, warts and all. Uh, and there's a lot of warts, uh, the physical and metaphorical warts in the, in, in, in the show. And, uh, but ultimately how it survives, despite its limited resources, because of the people who work there. And in showing that and the impact it has, that does mean showing what it's like at work, showing what it's like at home. And and building it out into a into a, a story, I guess. I mean, I was taught at school that a story's got a beginning and a middle and an end, and that and that I think that remains totally true. So, turning a book that was all these discrete sketches, I guess, into this the rounder thing, and also. I have to I have to show a lot more of the characters than I do in the diaries because the diaries is one bloke just typing away about a thing that happened and I say um, you know and the midwife did this and the patient said that in the show the midwife has to be a real person with a character and a backstory and you know everything about her and the patient isn't just you know one word on the page they're you know they're someone who's you know going through a labour and this is potentially you know one of the most traumatic, uh, exciting, amazing days of their life. And so it, I, I, le- I think I learned, I think I learned a lot. And what is it like having Ben Wishaw playing you? He's all right, isn't he? It was absolutely amazing because he, he just, first of all, he makes it a lot better than he did on the script. You know, him performing it with such nuance and delicacy and the show what the show does a lot 
I, I think, is going quite dramatically from funny to sad. And that, because that's the truth of what the NHS is like. It's never all funny, all sitcom. It's never all drama, all, all, you know, all Holby. And it's, it's always, you know, the truth of it is it jumps between the two. And on the page, I kept looking at the script thinking, I don't think it's going to feel, I don't think there's like one person who can do both, both things. I don't know how the join from those moments works, but Ben can just do it. He's just, he's a proper national treasure and he's a lovely man and there, there's no one else who could have done the job, I think. He, he is extraordinary, yeah. Um, I want you to remind, I'm going to use the F word, fleabag, because obviously he does talk to camera quite a lot. Yeah. I mean, quite a lot in the first episode. I noticed quite kind of only occasionally, really, I think probably possibly after that um, in a way. But I know fleabag wasn't the first show thing on it, to have a person talking to camera, breaking the fourth wall, et cetera. But I think tonally as well, I mean... You know, that, that jump, as you say, almost within, often within one scene of comedy to tragedy and tension and drama and the fact that he's on the edge, you know, all the time, uh, reminded me of that show. I mean, I'm delighted uh, to, be, <laughs> to, to, to be told it reminds you of Fleabag. Um, uh, talking to camera was quite important uh, for me in, in, in the show because I wanted to glue it to the fact that it came from diaries. And I, th- I could only work out uh, how to do that through either him talking to camera every so often and, or a voiceover. And voiceover didn't seem to really work when I tried it out. And Ben does it very subtly as little asides. And it's, it, was very, it was also very useful because it means that he can uh, use some kind of complicated medical term and then use it as a footnote uh, to, to the audience. And also... Uh, is is a tricky character uh, on screen, Adam, and isn't always truthful. And he, and like a lot of doctors, has to present differently to how he's feeling. And that allowed me to uh, to to do that with sort of um, that was a, that was a very useful shortcut for achieving that. Um, but yeah, um, I, I dare say there are similarities with with Fleabag, and I have absolutely no no complaints with that because I think what 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 Phoebe did there was absolutely extraordinary. In, in terms of the cast, I mean the cast is incredible. Um, you've also got Ambika Model. I know is a newcomer who's instantly kind of great as as the SHO that um, that 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 Adam is quite I would say quite horrible too in a lot, in a lot of ways. It's fine, yeah, it's um, fine, yeah, um, yeah. Ambika is absolutely amazing. Uh, it's it's very difficult to act opposite Ben Wishaw because he is outstanding. And the, the fact that she holds her own against Ben Wishaw is, is she's just adorable and she's very funny and she's essentially a rabbit in, uh, in headlights. And she is, you know, I'd say bullied by Adam at the start. And it's, but it turns from that into more of a, a sort of uh, a, a dysfunctional friendship relationship. Um, but I'm showing this sort of hierarchy where everyone kicks down and Adam's essentially bullied by his boss and he takes it out on, on her. And, you know, we don't see her taking it out on, on anyone else, but you can see how that, how, how the, how the, the circle continues. Um, but uh, there's, I mean, there are so many good people in the, in the cast. And I think, um, and it's Nina Gold and Martin Ware, who are the casting directors. And I think what they've done so amazingly is it feels like a real NHS. I recognize it 
uh, not just in terms of the you know the the, the, the direction and the art direction all that so it doesn't just look like a hospital it feels like a hospital because of the, the sort of the roundness of the characters she's um you know we have i'm very grateful yeah it comes across as it's totally authentic and fascinating people are going to talk about how likable or not likable your character is the character of adam k it is weird isn't it mustn't it be weird for you you're you've written this thing it's based on you clearly you make no bones about that and in many ways he is a, t- a difficult as you say he's kind of you can see he's he's being bullied and he you know there, there are issues he's dealing with he's dealing with you know a particular trauma that he, he was involved with a particular case which i know has parallels of your career but you, you uh, me, you've been incredibly honest and in, in letting him be as often unlikable as he is um again it comes it comes down to the fact that it has it has to be truthful and it has to be has to feel real and we have to show this you know he's working these double triple shifts he's falling asleep in his car he's missing stag do's and turning up late to the theater it's I don't. I don't see how we could show someone just sort of smiling and dancing uh, through that. Um, and also, you know, much as I'd like to portray myself as a, you know as a, as a as a perfect person, um, it's much more interesting to watch someone struggle. And I did struggle, and I you know, and I I, I fell to pieces in sort of in, in small and and big ways um, during my time as a doctor. And I wanted to. I wanted to to show that and uh yeah i mean I, ma- I made myself on screen extremely handsome so I, I might as well show some of my some of my personality flaws yes you and you and your partner on on, on the code are both extremely handsome which is a rory fleck burn as your as your as, as as harry your partner what is it like for you because i've met your husband he's an absolute delight what is it like for the two of you to sit there watching these characters play out kind <laughs> of based on you so happily um uh that the character of of of, uh, of Harry in the show isn't based on James because I thought that was probably more than our relationship could uh, could take. It's one thing me writing me as horrible. It's another thing <laughs> me writing my husband as as horrible. But I adored their their relationship um, on screen and um, and I've shown the show to a couple of um, medic mates. Uh, just you know, they were around over over New Year, and one of the things they picked up on was the sort of how it felt like the the, the truth of being in a relationship with a doctor. Because if it's five o'clock and you're meant to be coming home at five o'clock and going for dinner or whatever, and this has been planned for you know weeks, and then there's an emergency. It isn't a choice whether you stay at work or you, or you go home. You, if it was a choice, you'd have never done the job in the first place. So you stay at work and you sort it out, or, or, it's, or it's eight o'clock and you're meant to be leaving to go out to, to, to drinks and the person on the next shift hasn't turned up. You stay, you do it. You just have to do it. And it's the top trump because these are people's lives. And, and there isn't enough slack in the rotor for anyone else to come in. So you're constantly missing things. And everyone obviously understands that your job is important but it doesn't stop them being annoyed with you and i think harry has the patience of a saint but that isn't enough to deal with someone who is um not just missing all the all the physical things but also is absent emotionally because the the job the job sort of teaches you to bottle things up and um uh, Harry is very emotionally intelligent. Uh, Adam is very, 
very emotionally repressed. And I found myself during my entire time as a doctor, when asked how my day was, saying, yeah, fine, thanks. And, and that is a sort of a sort of recurring theme for, uh, for, for, you know, for, for Ben's version uh, of Adam. Yeah, fine, thanks. Don't want to talk about it. Don't want to think about it. I'm home now. And, and uh, you know, it's, it's not the... It's not a relationship that I think that there's a huge amount of love in it and there's a huge amount of desire for it to work. But the, the, the cracks are very, very visible from the start. I mean, it, it, that's true. And I think it is interesting, isn't it? How not only is this a kind of an absolutely brutally honest account of life for Dr. Nehesh, it also is, 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 is a same-sex um, uh, relationship story, you know, which is very rare. It was primetime BBC One. You know, did that did almost, you know, obviously it's telling you truthfully an account of, of what you, who you are and what you're like, but that is quite a rare thing, isn't it, still? It's, I wanted it in a way to be slightly academic that it was a mm. same-sex relationship because there is, there's often a, a danger that if there's a same-sex relationship, the show is about the fact it's a same-sex relationship. And um, I, I wanted it to feel like... A, uh, a normal, realistic relationship, whatever that is, and and and, and I hope that it comes across like that. But at the same time, it, you know, the character isn't particularly open about his sexuality at work because he sort of feels he's in an environment where that isn't going to help him you know, get up the ranks. And so it sort of it, it does um, it does feed into the story, but but hopefully it's um, I think love story is overselling it, but it's certainly a home life uh, story. And I think some of the arguments that they've had are arguments that a lot of doctors, and I'm sure a lot of non doctors, have had at home. Yeah, but I'm thinking of the scene where I think it totally is absolutely right that the, 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 the matter of factness of the relationship is. Uh, it works totally, but there is a, a brilliant scene where you're dragged to a club uh, where the Vivienne is on the door <laughs> from a RuPaul's Drag Race, and you're and Adam is wearing a jumper, a shirt and jumper in the middle of this kind of quite yes kind of uh, gay club. Shall we say it's a fantastic? Yeah. Oh, glad you like that. Uh, uh, I did I'm, because of COVID. I, I I only got to go to set once a month or so, and sadly uh, couldn't couldn't make that one of the one of the days. But um, yeah. Adam is in a different world when he's with uh, Harry and Harry's his mates. Harry is younger than him. He's more fun than him. He's his mates are more interesting. He's, he's got he's got a lot more mates than Adam. And uh, and yeah, we we um, we suddenly see them together in in Harry's universe, and we sort of slightly worry that uh, uh, <laughs> that Adam doesn't quite fit in. But yeah, he's he's. He's come from work, and he's it's a lovely jumper, but it, it doesn't it doesn't quite fit in with what everyone else is wearing. No, no, it's, it's a lovely jumper. Don't get me wrong, <laughs> very, 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 very nice jumper. Yeah, um, it, it feels. Like, I don't know if you've seen the Responder, the Martin Freeman um, police yeah. drama, which I know, and I think this is going to it's going to take over that slide. It feels like a very almost like by, by design that you've got two extraordinary authentic raw series dealing with these you know the these these institutions of the police and the nhs and the re what it's really like to work I, I, it's an extraordinary kind of um almost coincidence or is it by design i don't know but there are a lot of similarities in a great way between these two what these two shows are doing i think uh, again delighted to be compared to responder which um which i started watching a few days ago and is just extraordinary, you know, Martin Freeman's performance. It just sort of, it just pulled you in. And 
much like I hope that uh, my show uh, will do, it made me think in a different way mm. about what a, we, we're all aware of the police, we're all aware of doctors, we've all got an idea in our heads about what it, what it, what it means to do the job, but uh, it made me think sort of about, bloody hell, that is, that is tough work. Um, and I guess they're, they're similar in that they're, they're, they're authored by people who've done the job and they're huge tour de force pieces by, by, by the central, uh, central actors. Um, I, I, I didn't know anything about the show until, um, until the same time as anyone else uh, when, uh, uh, when, all, when all the press started and I started seeing the trailers. But um, yeah, it does, does feel that this, um, yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a nice one too. I think they, you know, they're also very different shows in their, in their ways. Mine, mine relies on uh, humour a lot more, um, which is partly because doctors often rely on humour to get through some of the, uh, the tough stuff. And, um, but they're, they're probably equally brutal in their own, um, in their own ways. Absolutely. Yeah. And finally, I mean, you said that it has got beginning, mid, big beginning, middle and end, definitely. And, you know, and I, I know you planned it, I think it's a limited series, but I mean, people are going to love this, Adam. And it's, 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 you know, that doctors carry on being, <laughs> doing their work in the edges. You could carry on and do more series. Would you, would you be up for that? If, if, you know, that opportunity came along? I, I don't know. I've, I'm very, very pleased with it, I think. And, um, and I think everyone, all the cast, directors, the you know the the, the producers. It's just if it, it feels like we've, that we've that we've we've done what we set out to do. And never say never. But I'm, I'm I, I can't say that I've you know I've got a notebook with uh, with all with uh, with series two all, all plotted out just uh, just now. But so, you know who who knows. But um, I'm uh, my. My dance card is pretty full for the next year or so with, with some other stuff. So uh, nothing, nothing I can leap into. Fair enough. Well, you've done a brilliant job on this series anyway. Congratulations. Um, and thanks very much for joining us, Adam. Cheers. Thanks so much, Boyd. That was Adam Kay. And time now for the news. Hit me with some news, Boyd. What's that? You were really excited to see the brave new world, <laughs> new Star Trek poster. Tell us all about it. <laughs> Didn't we talk about this last week? No, yeah. no, this is new. Oh, Brave New World. Brave New World. Sorry, oh, yeah, sorry. No, there's always Star Trek was... news. Last yeah, week was Picard. Picard. Now it's Brave New World. Oh, no, I haven't even seen this at all. Anson Mount fronted series oh. where he's going to be playing Captain Pike and the Enterprise is going to be in it. Right. There was a bit of the Enterprise. I've it was a poster. this entirely. It was yeah. just a poster. It was just a poster. There's not much else to say. Okay. Really. I've got the best TV news story of the week. Okay. Without doubt. Are you sure? Okay. That's a bold claim. down. Here we go. First of all, it's about a show that James will only vaguely have any awareness of. Oh, good. I give you The Masked Singer, right? Oh, oh my God, yeah. It's the like, yeah, yeah. What yeah. is happening? The Masked Singer, wait for it, is an extraordinary um, format. Which is, there's a British version. I'm, 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 I'm just pivoted you know. to watch James' just, anyway, story go. Honestly, you know what? Jamie Winston was unveiled in, in, in the British version. I'm not going to bang on about the British version, but I'm just saying it's a, it's a, it's a brilliantly entertaining show. Uh, panel, sure. panel of panel of celebrities to try and guess it's who the everything that's wrong with society. But, Jesus, but the American pain. version oh God. is filming at the moment and one of the masked singers in the new American series that was filming this week was Rudy Giuliani, the apotheosis of evil wow. in American politics. And this is what happened, James. See, now I've James got his hand is on his head. Fucking Rudy Giuliani was under this what were demented they thinking? mask, right? They booked him. But first of all, I mean... Whatever you think morally, the bookers, I mean, that, that is some booking, right? What was the song? The song is what I don't know. Oh, do you know what? I don't know if I've got to that bit yet. This is the vital part of the information. It is the vital part of it. Um, let me see. Because, of course, they're supposed to all keep these things secret, but it's completely emerged because it was so insane. Um, 
It's the, f- it's the first time the Martin is. Uh, no, I didn't say what the song See, is. This annoys me in the same way that remember when Sean Spicer was yes, on, like dancing exactly. with the Spice? He's right. like, we should not be rehabilitating well, indeed, these but villains. This is, I haven't finished the story yet. So during the taping of it, it sparked outrage from the judging panel and. Um, Robin Thick <laughs> Robin and Thick. Ken Jong. He's a man who doesn't have the well, fucking idea. Yeah, well, this is the point. <laughs> Ken Jong and Robin Thick, who are the male members of the panel, walked out. Yeah, they walked off the set. You know you're in trouble when yeah. Robin, Robin Thick is the moral arbiter. <laughs> exactly, having, having a moral leaving. Fit. Jenny McCarthy and Nicole Scherzinger, who are the other judges, they carried on with the taping and had a brief chat with Rudy Giuliani when he was unveiled. <laughs> and then eventually, apparently, the dudes came back, were begged to come back. But the whole thing was an absolute fucking farrago. Um, so, yeah. And I don't, I can't tell you, unfortunately, what song he sang. But, Maybe they've not really I mean, it. you know, it's going to be... Uh, that is... The TV story of the week, if not the year. Wow. That is that is yeah. <laughs> I can't When really I saw that. those two names together, Robin yeah. Vick, with Robin Thick, I was like, this is this is yeah. this is It was a chance of Robin Thick to claim some kind yeah, of moral exactly. authority. So I am outraged <laughs> yeah. by this behaviour. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Wow. And you seem to be playing a giant pink mouse, by the way, in shorts, I think. Or is it pig? No, it's a piglet. It's like a pig. Well, I mean, you know. Horrible. Yeah. Horrible, man. Yeah. But yeah, great story. And those bookers knew exactly what they were yes. doing. So. 100%. It makes yeah. sense. Yeah. It makes sense. Martin, I like, I, I, no, I can't defend it. I was going to try and say... Have you ever I, seen I, The Master Of course though. I haven't. Why would I watch The Master Like, genuinely, it is everything, <laughs> it is everything that I hate about everything in one show. Yeah, I mean, it's. I, I don't know why I even thought you would. You might want to actually. It's a great story, though. It's like Jackass. Like we're supposed to be the five hundred podcast, which yeah. will have happened by the time this goes out. Yeah. It's on the weekend, uh, and we are Jackass is one of the films that's out, and I can't, I can't bring my, I can't bring myself to watch it. I can't, oh come I can't on! Uh, and it's had great reviews. It has yeah. had great it's had reviews. Great reviews but I, I am kind of with you with Jackass. Actually, I just I cannot sanction that buffoonery. I, I can't. <laughs> I find it difficult, painful to watch. Yeah. That, so I didn't go to the screening this week, but um, it has got incredible reviews. Yeah. And all like sort of talking it. about But it's, it's still the same bunch of guys kicking each other mm. in the bollocks, right? Like, mm. that's essentially what it is. Even more bollock kicking, I, I think, just, than yeah. ever. I just don't understand. Like, yeah. it feels to me like the, the, that people like it is just a sorry indictment of the human race. But uh, hey, oh, you know. You see, that, I would never have that pompous Of course not, of because I feel that about per- many of the shows of you love. You so. um, <laughs> unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yeah. I know, I, I understand that other people have their own taste. Yeah. It's like when you did this. This is the the esteem in which I hold you. Is when you show me your list of the best TV shows yes. ever, and I just assumed it would just be wall to wall reality television. Absolutely, and you were like, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, unbelievable. Yeah, I should. I would also like to reveal what James said in our in our um, message group this week. Oh god, you know, what's it, about the what the ITV drama? But I won't. We'll leave it. <laughs> I think we'll get onto that we'll a little bit on later it. on. Yeah, yeah. You can out me on that a little bit later. And on. the other news. Uh, uh, there's lots of real life news. Okay, you, go on. I mean, I'm just saying that Whoopi Goldberg got suspended yes, for her. She did. Yeah. That was a ludicrous Ooh. Holocaust diatribe on The View where she said it wasn't about race. The I know. About, even though I know. Was, the master Aryan race did want to destroy the Jews, the you know, and she didn't seem to have grasped that element. Of yes, the that story. actually broke while I was editing uh, the previous podcast. And I was talking about Guinan in Picard on that podcast. And I said lots and lots of lovely things about Whoopi Goldberg as part yeah. of that new story, which yeah. I then edited out. Did in the you? Oh, I amazing. cut all out of the new... Are you going to cut this bit out now that I mentioned it now? Uh, no, 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 Well, we'll see. All I would say, um, I personally, as a Jewish person who, you know, ha- ha- was, had relatives who were affected by the Holocaust. Uh, it, it's, I would just say, I find the fact that she was suspended ludicrous. I think that is, that is bonkers. But she was, did talk absolute nonsense. Yeah, yeah. she did. So anyway, she did. That's, my, that's my, I'm sure the listeners are waiting for my verdict on that story. <laughs> and I've given it to them. <laughs> did you both watch 
Well, I, in fact, I was about to say, did you both watch the Halo trailer? I know for a fact that Beth watched the Halo trailer because we watched it together. Oh, you forced her to watch uh, it. Yes, we forced mm. Beth to watch the Halo trailer because we did a little thing on it in the magazine. Um, but I, I, I was, as Beth knows, to her extreme cost. Uh, I, I enjoyed it. I, I enjoyed the Halo trailer. Not only did we have to watch it together, I then had to transcribe half an hour of what was <laughs> supposed to be a collective reaction to it, but was essentially James going, oh my God, this is that. Oh my God, that's a boobla-boob. Oh my God. <laughs> a boobla-boob. I think I'll find in this game it does this, but in this game it does that. And it took me four times as long as it should have done because I had to go back and find all this fucking Halo terminology. Like, How do you spell Sangaly? <laughs> you could take him to HR. Is that your official job description? <laughs> <laughs> I could and I shall. Yeah. Um, I will yeah. see you in court. But yeah, yes, no, fair. I saw it and it meant absolutely nothing to like most of us yeah. apart from James. No, but as I did mention when we did talk about it, the thing that blew my mind more than anything else is that the needle drop they chose, the one needle drop they chose <laughs> for that trailer was fucking Phil Collins in the air tonight. And I was just like, what were you people smoking when you no, thought no, Phil no, no, Collins no, 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 is the no. song you should use? C- James, this is a mistake. It's a, a cover. Lot. I know it's a cover. No, I know it's, a cover. it's not a cover. It's a Phil Collins song. Th- that's not the point I'm making. Yeah, I love, I, This is classic James. Isn't it? James tries to... <laughs> 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 I don't know what you're going to say about everything. All right, I apologise. I don't oh, know what you're The point saying. I'm making is Phil Collins is a master song, songwriter. Sure. And, his, and that record is one of the greatest singles of all time. And it's a perfect uh, needle drop because it's a brilliant, brilliant song. Yeah, okay. One of the most okay. famous drum things ever. I, I love a drum and thing. And it's an absolutely brilliant song. So okay. you're just fucking wrong. Okay, but two things. First of all, In the Air Tonight and Halo are not natural bedfellows, yeah, I would that's argue. That's the thing about all these kind of needle drops. It's all about, isn't it, slightly quirky, gives it a quirky vibe. And would you not say that if there was a cool spectrum, Phil Collins would not appear on No, it. that's where you're wrong. Phil Collins is so outside the world of cool. He's so... He doesn't give, <laughs> much, give a fucking shit about he's cool. He's he fucking Emily in Paris. More cool. <laughs> right. He is cool because he's... A, a whole, don't you remember the whole Phil Collins rehabilitation? I could get... Don't get me started on Phil Collins. There's an album of... But seriously, rap, Boyd. There's an but album seriously. of R&B, rap and soul reinterpretations of Phil Collins. He's maybe like Kanye West loved Phil Collins. He's never been more cool. And he's... And, and apart from when the records came out and everyone was like, oh my God, it's Phil Collins middle of the road bullshit. Now he's been totally rehabilitated and everyone thinks he's brilliant. I, well, I, 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 I strongly <laughs> suspect you are feeding me a line of absolute horseshit. No, I'm not. I'm deadly serious. I genuinely, you see the amount of Phil Collins I have on my iPod, mate. I, I are, are you sure this Phil Collins is not just cool at your house? Like, is he, kill, <laughs> I mean, is he, he cool is, elsewhere? That's true. Right, let's ask a token young person. Beth, how often do you, you know, throw shapes to a bit of Genesis? Like, how does this, how does this oh, work with you? I don't mind them. I have, I have a good boogie. Yeah. But in the air tonight, boogie. right, it's a brilliant song. Is that, yeah. is that, that's not deniable. <laughs> yes, yes, you're right. It absolutely lends itself to a bombastic sci-fi yes, series. It does. Yeah. It does. I mean, if, if anything, the only issue with it, it's overused. It's because it's been used in, in legal job in loads of things. Oh, God. Yeah. This this has been... <laughs> I'm not sure know. if educational is the word, but sure, okay, fine. If you are listening to this, and you are Phil Collins, please write in and uh, explain to me why I'm wrong. Uh, any other Phil Collins news you'd like to uh, throw out there? Phil Collins. Have we had nothing else? Big casting week. I mean, are either of you in the the Boys Presents Diabolical? Because I think you'd be the only <laughs> the only fucking ones. <laughs> fucking mental voice cast. This is so. This is the animated spinoff of the Boys. Yeah. Uh, Aquafina, Michael Cera, Don Cheadle, Kieran Culkin, Jason Isaacs, Kamal Nanjani, Justin Void, and Seth Rogen, Andy Samberg, Ben Schwartz, wow. Kevin Smith, Simon Pegg. It's huge. That's incredible. It's huge. And an animation, no less. So Simon Pegg, of course, was in The Boys, wasn't he? 
He was, yeah, was because it? the character, the main character in the comic, is kind of based on Simon yeah, Pegg. Right, yeah. right. So he played his dad in the TV yeah, show. Yeah, I remember you, James, explaining that. There you go. <laughs> Which is valid. Unlike James, explaining it from comics is not okay. Right. But yeah, that I will that. concede. I am by no means a Phil expert, and I'm probably. And you're surprised that you, there was one in the studio. Yeah, I'm you also expecting that. Not what one would describe as particularly in the know with what is and isn't called musically. So I'm on very, very thin ice talking about this. I'm just saying, yeah. you know, with my yeah. kind of finger in the air barometer of popular culture I didn't think Phil Collins was cool perhaps I'm wrong Sorry, I did, you know. can I just apologise for returning to the Phil Collins issue <laughs> I thought we'd moved on we've never moved on you can't move on from Phil Collins um, in casting news I really wasn't expecting Parker Posey and Terry Crews have joined the yes, Walking Dead that is true that is and this is the anthology series isn't it the anthology yeah. series yeah. is it going to be a comedy I, I hope so zany zombies I hope so I, I really don't know. Hope so. but I love Parker Posey so much. I mean, I, honestly, anthologies can generally jump into the sea for me. But I, yeah. yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm now. I'm more interested than I was previously. Yeah, because I'm become a bit of a Walking Dead purist. Like I watch The Walking Dead, but I won't watch Fear the Walking Dead, and I won't watch Well Beyond. Like I'm just, it's, it's main, main series. Or get the fuck out. <laughs> yeah, I'm the same. Yeah. yeah, I'm the same. I did try the Fear the Walking. I like, I like, I liked a lot of Fear the Walking Dead. Um, I made Lenny James element. Um, but yeah, I'm, mm. now I can't be bothered with it. Yeah, fair. I, I mean, we've talked about what's cool and what isn't cool in music. Can we talk a little bit about fashion here? And I want to know, like, if I were to turn up to the live podcast we're doing on Saturday in <laughs> in Lee Pace's oh yeah sheer, sheer crop top, sheer would that be cool? I mean, that that is extraordinary. This is a picture, the first picture from season two of Foundation, in which uh, uh, Cleon Brother Day is wearing an extraordinary accessory. Yeah. I don't even. I mean, I can't even do it justice. Yeah, you wear that. I'm going to wear Baby Yoda's chainmail. Yeah, well, it's much the same, isn't it? it? Yeah. Yeah. Baby Yoda has a chainmail onesie. Uh, <laughs> Emperor Cleon has a crop top made of what looks like lace. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's I like, think Chris Hewitt's bagged that um, that outfit for Saturday. Which yeah, one? The onesie or the crop the top? Sheer, the sheer. Oh, no, yeah, fair. No, that's fair. Yeah. That's fair. No, it I is mean, a look, but he can pull it off, you see, can because his body is spectacular. I have to say, kudos to. Um, we spent a whole episode in his pants in season yeah, one. He so, did. yeah. I yeah. you're still talking about Chris. Yes. <laughs> Chris, Chris may or may not have spent an entire episode um, of Foundation in his pants. Uh, no, I, I couldn't. Say. I mean, I was like, that's a nice <laughs> thing to say, boy. I mean, and then the whole episode in his pants. I was like, what podcast episode was that? I mean, I thought you were going back to Phil Collins, so I don't know what's going on. That's the 500. That's, that's the surprise of the 500 Empire Live podcast. Yeah, Chris is yeah. going to host it in Chris his pants. Chris is going to host it in his pants. Um, no, 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 not Chris Hewitt. Um, oh, him out of Foundation. Him out of Foundation. Lee Pace, yes. Lee Pace. Yes. Um, they kind of fits in with the character, doesn't it? Because the character is one of three yes, iterations yes. anyway. The trinity that yeah. is the genetic dynasty, which I can tell you much more about if you like. Indeed. I also like that he's pointing the finger of splaining there at yeah. Jared oh, Harris. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> as someone who wields the finger yeah. of splaining quite regularly. Yeah. Too many times on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, uh, I, I'm, I'm here for Foundation Season 2. You will be not at all shocked to hear. Absolutely not. No. no. And you're here for the sheer top as well. I'm here for the sheer top as well. I haven't watched the trailer for The Offer, which is the making of Godfather series. Was that any good? Yeah. Juno Temple's bangs are, are what I'm aiming for next hairdresser's appointment. She looks incredible. That's yeah. my main takeaway, really. Martellas is in it. Yeah, Marcel looks interesting. Yeah, because of course he took over the role from Army Hammer, who has been oh, rightly okay. cancelled, I think. Yeah. Well, yeah, he's, I mean, he's now going to be in Yellow Jacket. 
steady. <laughs> may have to cut that. Yeah, you may have to cut that, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, um, yeah he, they recast um, Miles Teller in it, yeah. Well, I, you know, I know he did that wanky GQ interview or whatever it was, but I do I do want a good role for Miles Teller, so mm, I hope yeah. this is good, because no one saw that Nicholas Wayne and Refn TV show he was in, did they? Oh, I did. That was did insane. Did you watch it all? Yes, I did. I think you're the only one I know. I think I am. Yeah. I am the only person. You're right. That's one of the great follies, isn't it, of mm. the streaming TV era that you've just reminded me of. Yeah, I watched the whole effing thing and it was absolutely just insane, yeah, oh, and wow. often terrible. But yeah, it looked quite good. But it's weird that there's so much Godfather-related stuff, isn't there? Because there's the Only other... because we just, did, we just did an issue, didn't we? No, I know. It's, it's the anniversary, isn't it? So it's the we anniversary, just did, yeah. 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 They're all being re-released in cinemas. We just did the most recent issue of Empire was a Godfather-themed issue, so... I'm, I'm, I'm excited because I loved the Empire Godfather issue, by the way. So good. Um, so brilliant. So good. And it, you know... The idea, and it's a brilliant. I think the idea of a, of a TV series about the making of it, mm. um, bring it on, hundred percent. Yes. No. There's a there was a, a line in the most recent issue where um, they're talking about how Mario Pizzo had a fist fight with Frank Sinatra. <laughs> I think that was the kind of origin story for how this all comes yeah. together. Amazing. Uh, so that should be a lot of fun. Yeah. And uh, it's created and written by Michael Tolkien, who was a brilliant talent. I think he's a ma- absolute maverick. Have you ever seen like his films? Um, he wrote the script of the player, yes. and then he had his own films. One film about the kind of the end of the world, which I can't remember the name of right now. Um, he, but he is a, 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 a legendary figure. So I think it's going to be fascinating. Amazing. Mm. Well, I think that is it for news. So shall we move on to the section we like to call reviews? Uh, yes, let's do that. Uh, it's reviews time. So first up this week, we have suspicion, which we couldn't cover last week because you know embargoes. Uh, so this is an Apple remake of a show called False Flag, an Israeli show called False Flag. And this tackles the plight of five strangers, five British strangers who are arrested in connection with a high-profile kidnapping in New York. Boydie, would you pay the ransom for suspicion? I'm not sure. Um, <laughs> this is a weird one, isn't it? It's, yeah. it's, um, so it's an American show, as you said. Ostensibly. Adapted, ostensibly. Adapted from the Israeli original, with Uma Thurman as the mother of the character who gets kidnapped yeah. and disappears but it's all most of it is set in England yeah and so there's this whole cast of English characters played by like Kunal Naya and um Georgina Campbell who's great there's um char- there's 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 people in it like Ben Bailey Smith Lydia West from It's a Sin um Mandip Gill from Doctor Who who by the way weren't even mentioned in the press release I had to. I was like, is that Mandip Kill from Doctor Who? The the companion of the moment in Doctor Who. Is that Lydia West from It's a Sin, who's like one of the main role, a legendary role in It's a Sin? And I was like, I'm sure it is. And I thought I was going mad because they're not. I was looking at the press release. So I had to to still frame the credits and they are in it. Really small roles, like really small supporting roles. And then it's got, it's an intriguing premise. You see this, uh, the, the the kidnapping happens in a hotel corridor with like four people in masks, in um, British royal family masks, <laughs> um, which is the clue that they're British people. <laughs> and then the CIA or investigators come in, led by Noah Emmerich, who, um, you know, talks to him with them. And then they've, they're, 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 they are investigating these Brits who are back home. And you think they're the least likely people to be involved in this in this caper, this kidnapping caper, and um, including one of them is on her wedding day. Yeah, um, the one played by Georgina Campbell. Um, and you meet them slowly, and you're kind of introduced to all these characters. It reminded me a bit of the Netflix adaptations of Harlan Coben books right. that are set in Britain. 
And in that, and it's there's a slight weird, sometimes a weird, I love those, by the way, mostly. And in fact, the writer of them we'll, we'll get to soon for in, in another show we're reviewing. But this felt sometimes a little bit stilted. And I couldn't work out whether it's because it's being made, it's it's an American show about British characters involved with Uma Thurman somehow, or Uma Thurman's son. And it's all a bit weird and difficult to come to terms with. Or if, in fact, there are elements of it that just are a bit stilted and a bit fake and not entirely convincing. Yeah. The way it's directed and acted and written <laughs> isn't entirely authentic and believable to me. And yet, it's such a fun, it's a fun premise, an intriguing premise. And I'm fascinated to know how the fuck all of these British people who are like, one of them is like, just like a computer specialist, yeah. <laughs> fixing yeah. that's computer, um, etc., fit into this weird conspiracy conspiracy crime thriller yeah with Uma Thurman yeah so I watched all of these and oh yeah I, I watched the whole thing all the wow. way through and really enjoyed what, like eight myself episodes, yeah I watched all of them classic and uh, yes I, I enjoyed it a lot until I didn't so so, and that's not to say it gets bad I, I think it runs out of steam a little bit towards the end which is a shame because I think it gets off to a really promising start I think the first episode is really tense and excellent uh, and then once you sort of bring in the sort of like usual suspects aspect of it where they're all kind of brought in and then they're let go and then who who can they trust who's this who's that I think the problem is that the actual payoff the actual solution to it is nowhere near as kind of shall we say clever or observant as they think it is uh, like so I felt it kind of it went out with a bit of a fizz rather than a bang that's not to say I didn't enjoy it because I did I just thought that like I say I think it runs it, it runs out of steam before it's it's got to the end but it's it's a lot of fun I thought the performances were really really good it enjoys seeing um, people like uh, is it Elias Gabel who was one of the blood riders in Game of Thrones enjoyed seeing him in there as well um, Kunal Nayar obviously from the Big Bang Theory famous for that I love the fact that they're just wandering around random parts of western North London I was like oh I've yeah. been there yeah. Uh, that was quite fun. Um, but yeah, it's it's strangely structured and slightly strangely paced. And so like it was almost like, for me, it was verging. It had the promise all the way through. It had the promise of being a really good show. Like I thought, mm. this is a this is a four-star show, but it has the potential to be. It has the potential to be a four-star show. It's going to be a four-star show. And then you get to the end, you're like, it never it never fulfilled that promise. It kind of, it was three, 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 three and it just stayed a three to me. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Well, I only watched one episode so far. It's a good first episode though, right? It's pretty good. I really like seeing North and West London. Yeah. And where my, my sense of geography, like my maths, is absolutely fucking dreadful. So <laughs> I do apologize. But I did get a real thrill from a big budget Apple TV show with a big star like Uma Thurman in it. At a DIY shop somewhere in like the suburbs. So of where did London. he live? I can't remember. Like, where, like because Kunali R's character like works in a carpet shop, and it yeah. is somewhere like. Do you remember where it was? Because I remember because no. it comes up as a card. It comes yeah. up as a thing, and it's and yes. it's somewhere. It's somewhere, and I was like, oh my god, that is just ridiculous that they set this here. But of course, it is not funny if none of us can remember it. So. It's not, but I love that, and I love that he lives in just one of those houses on your street with a van outside yeah. that you walk past every single day, and that's where he lives with his family. You know, Georgina Campbell's character lives somewhere also. I didn't recognise, but knows to be in London. <laughs> But, you know, the fact that she's there with part of a proper London family, you know, her mum's, it's her wedding day and her mum wants to do nice things and gets herself in a stupid bit of debt trying to, like, fulfil her, you know, wedding dreams. And they operate as a nice little kind of regional London family. I've really enjoyed seeing those little bits of London on screen that you don't necessarily see outside of, like, 
EastEnders. You, yeah, you get to see yeah. a real kind of feel of London in that respect. The bit I didn't get on board with was, so it starts with the abduction. It does. This, this lad who was abducted, you know, it's caught on CCTV and then it becomes viral and everybody that sees mm. it thinks it's hysterical. I know. Everyone thinks it's the funniest thing they've ever seen and, and they try and make it, like, they try and put in like, <laughs> they try and apply it with like a social filter with like a kind of mean font over it and like sound effects and filters and stuff and everyone's pissing themselves about this like, international Did you not feel like this felt like something that's been written by people in their 40s who don't fully understand social media? Like, it just didn't... Or like, morality? I don't know. Well, yeah, but that's not... That is not not something that would go viral. Like, a horrific video about a boy being abducted is not the kind of thing that would become a comedy meme. It just isn't. It's dreadful. Um, So one of the the suspects is a a teacher at at Oxford. And uh, yeah, one of the students is just like watching it, like like, pissing us Mega lols, kidnapping. And then like, come on now, that's enough of that. And like, kind of shuts the... And it's like this yeah. is all that stuff was really unconvincing. So oh, it's so, like, yeah. so cringe. It yeah. really so cringe. distracted yeah, that's, me. You're right. The yeah. fact that everybody thought that this this kind of viral video was like of meme caliber comedy, and it's like horrible. Yeah. Um. So that just threw me off. Um. Most of the performances, I feel like the first episode. I'm. I mean, I'm on the IMDb page now, and I'm looking at the stills from the show. It looks nothing like the first episode I've just seen. So yeah. I feel like it is not indicative of the show whatsoever. <laughs> like I'm looking at. I don't even recognise some of these people, and the people that I have seen look completely different here. So I feel like it's setting up in an interesting way. And when there's a, yeah, the way that Georgina Campbell's character is kind of brought into this is quite dramatic and <laughs> kind of fun, to be honest. It's not fun for her, but it's fun to watch. And that kind of mysterious element, how it ends on the first episode, is quite interesting. But yeah, it just feels a little bit out of touch. It, yeah, it feels to me like they had an idea. They had an agenda that they wanted to push, an idea, and it was all about, which is great, Contompi, the weaponization of misinformation. And that seems to be the, the, the kernel at the heart of this whole series, yeah. is what they're kind of tapping into. But it feels like they took something quite clever and then took a hammer to it. Like it feels, it's a very unsubtle way of approaching that issue and I think that's it that you, you're you expecting this very sort of subtle payoff and actually it's a bit of like a bat to the face where yeah it kind of lands but it isn't subtle at all no. um, and it's just not as deft as I think it could have oh, been it's definitely not um, deft definitely no like but, even even the, that's opening the scene with the guy arriving on the plane who's who um, <laughs> yeah. who um dons a disguise yeah and somehow finds himself grabbing a woman's Baby, yeah. She tr- entrusts him carrying her baby <laughs> Some random all the guy way from the plane yeah. to security. Yeah. Like even that was like, no, this would yeah. never no, happen in a million just, years. It's just, it's it not believable. Preposterous. And there are just there are points all the way through this where it's just not believable. But then equally, it's it's quite surprisingly brutal and violent in places yeah. as well. There are some moments you're like, mm, fucking hell, I didn't realize it was that kind of show. But yeah, you, you noticed- would not guess that from the first episode. No, no, no. no. Apple's really stepping up in terms of like sheer volume of stuff. Have you noticed that? There's pretty much a new, big new thing a week. Well, that was the criticism, wasn't it? That they have very yeah. high caliber shows, but there just aren't enough of yeah, them. Yeah, I think they've really stepped mm-hmm. up. And they've seen the John Ham. Have you seen the John Ham ad for Apple TV Plus? No. Where he, yeah, he, it's so interesting. He, I mentioned this actually when I first saw it. It's kind of like him sitting there in his lavish LA mansion complaining that he's the only famous person not on Apple TV. <laughs> <laughs> Which is quite a funny idea. And yet you are kind of left with, oh, wait a minute, we're supposed to all like celebrate the fact that John Ham's just, 
just just sitting there in this vast, huge thing, home on his own yeah. on the in the in the LA Hills. It's a slightly odd thing to do, but, yeah. but that's the message is that now they have so many shows that literally every famous person is in one of their shows. I mean, yeah. let's, they're not Netflix. I mean, they've got more shows. I still wouldn't say they've got loads. Oh no, but, but, but they've definitely stepped they up. They are stepping up to go, after they got suspicion. You got Severance next week, right. so they are every yes, week, on pretty a much. There's yeah. a new thing, which is yeah. which is new. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And most of them are annoyingly embargo, but less said about that, the better. Yes. Anyway, anyway, speaking of embargoes, that is because you can find Suspicion, the first season or the only season, whatever. You can find Suspicion on Apple TV Plus at the moment it is streaming. Now, next up we have This Is Going To Hurt. And you've already heard about this from Adam himself, but honestly, even that probably can't prepare you, I would say, for the first 10 minutes of this show, which involve a baby's arm, a mad lift... <laughs> And a rather off-colour joke about Kermit the Frog. Beth, tell us all about This Is Going To Hurt. <laughs> well, I'm not going to say anything else about this first 10 minutes because I watched it during lunch the other day and I really, <laughs> like, I stopped my lunch. <laughs> don't eat. Don't, don't, just don't eat it's, when you're watching this first It's like episode. he says in it, it's, it's about bodily fluids but not the fun kind. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which I think goes straight to the heart of what this show is. Like, I didn't read the book. I know the book was a sensation and a huge topical and cultural um, milestone um, in terms of what the NHS is actually like. You know, it's your worst kind of suspicions clarified, basically, yeah. but with a, a wonderful dash of like dark humour, which is very present in the show here. Um, so yeah, Ben Washer is, is Adam. He is this um, junior doctor with hopes of becoming, I forget what it is now, but a, a big boss. Um, yeah, so he's an acting registrar at this point. Thank yeah. you. Sometimes it comes in useful. Sometimes it comes in <laughs> the useful. The James Blaining is, right. uh, oh, yeah, sometimes, okay. sometimes it does come in useful. Yeah. Uh, uh, it. Um, yeah, so he it, it's it's essentially across the first episode is across the sort of afternoon well a shift and, and an evening of Adams. Um, so he's he's <laughs> on the maternity ward today. It starts with him waking up in his car at a really odd angle. He's just fallen asleep in his car from exhaustion. So you're already very much like plummeted into the psyche of this like overstretched, you know, tired. But like heart in the right place doctor who was about to start a shift and looks like he's already ready for bed. Um, it starts with his first ten minutes, which I'm not going into. I want this. I want everyone on the same yeah. page that I was when I started because just don't eat, just don't eat. <laughs> uh, and then and then next thing you know, you're you're kind of walking alongside him through a shift uh, where there's multiple ups and downs. Hurdles, but he's trying to do his best at every turn, and the best often is just not good enough. Um, He's got this trainee, Dr. Shruti, uh, played by Ambika Mod, uh, who he is uh, either talking down to quite a lot or, you know, trying his best to help. Um, but even that is a bit murky while he's trying to do that. He's got um, uh, one of his nurses, Tracy, with him as well. Um, and it's just, it's just, oh, it is, like I said, it's just your worst fears about the NHS realised, but in that, you know, it's it's just the staff are doing the absolute best that they can, but they're just under resourced, overworked. Yeah. Really trying to do grappling with a like a pitiful little stab at social life. Like he tries to go to stag do <laughs> to someone's stag do in the evening and he's dealing with that. And then on top of that, I mean, it's just the worst of British people as well. There's racism. It's uh yeah, but it's not I would write this off quickly if if it was just like a damning kind of you know, 
sad look at the day, but it does carry heart. It is funny. Ben Wilshaw does, you know, have this really strong comedic beat where he talks very quickly and all but winks at the camera. It, also, he's Paddington. So you feel, regardless, he could say you're going to die any second. You'll be like, all right, Paddington. And you'd be all right with it. So he has got this really assured presence. Um but yeah, I I I thought this was brilliant. I think uh, he was he was just the right person for this role. Tonally, it's very very good. It makes you desperately sad if you weren't already for the people <laughs> working on our uh, NHS. It holds everybody to account. There's a, an instance, the affirmation racism I was talking about, where he tries to stick up for one of his staff to be told by the staff member, "I fight my own fucking battles, thank you." But that's handled really well. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed it. I probably won't binge this I don't think this is a binge show for me um, because I don't want it to lose that heart and lightness it would be a lot I think if you binged it yeah so yeah in that whole episode there things he he does very well and then he doesn't do very well at all Um, and and so I think yeah it's good to get a nice balance and kind of stagger it a little bit it's really really funny though like really funny like actually and unusually for me laugh out loud funny at points I think because it's very dark humour but it's also very very dry humour yeah, and it's it, this is very much my sense of humour. This was I thought he was. Well, it's Fleabag, isn't it? I think. Yeah, I think it is. I think I, in the interview I, I mentioned that I thought it reminded me of Fleabag because he does talk to camera mm. more in the first episode. Subsequent episodes, he just has the odd moment where he talks right. to camera. But I think that tone is like is like is is Fleabag, and there's no greater compliment I think. And he he get I think it's done an incredible job adapting because because that tone is in the book in the, his books, right? Um, and he's a naturally wryly funny guy. Yeah. Um, but. The way he's adapted that for the TV is absolutely incredible. I mm. think just the skill. You know, he's not used. To, not usually right. He's not. You know, this is writing his own thing. He's turning normally. You know, you'd hand it over to an expert writer, but he's just done an astonishing job. Yeah. But balancing because you've got his character, and you said that first time, which is bravura, mm. isn't it? TV drama. It's just yeah. incredible. Mm. It's, it, it just introduces the whole world brilliantly. Um, and then he kind of has to because you've got his home life with his boyfriend, who's like this adorable guy. Yeah. Um, played by Rory Fleck Byrne, who's great, and you know the, you completely believe their relationship. Mm. He's trying to deal with the fact that Ben Whishaw's character, that Adam, can't his his days are so grueling. I really thought this was such a good observation. His days are so grueling and difficult and traumatic that he can't even begin to get into it with his partner, yeah. share it. So his partner's really frustrated that he said every day it becomes a running thing in the series. How was your day? And he just clams up about it because once you get into it, it's just too awful. Mm. And that, I think, was a fascinating strand. A totally believable relationship that runs along. Then you meet his mum, played by Harriet Walter, later on. So I've watched four episodes. Right. Harriet Walter, even more demented mum than she is in succession. <laughs> um, really Gosh. awful, awful. And that, and that explains a lot of his kind of issues of being uptight because he has this mother to deal with yeah. and she's phenomenal. He's got the superior, the doctor, um, uh, played by Alex Jennings, who's a pompous bell-end twat. <laughs> Meanwhile, his character, and I think he brilliantly is brilliantly harsh about his own character, Adam, who is Basically bullying, I think, the yeah. new his his you know, the new SHO senior house officer who is um Shrewd, who's played by Ambika Mod in her first role. She's astonishing. Yeah, Absolutely she's brilliant. Yeah. Because she kind of holds her own and won't take the shit from him. And then you get more and more of her as time goes on. Um 
Uh, Khalif Kiwan is in it. Is this is like this this rival of to him who kind of is already clearly the favourite of the boss and thinks he's he, and thinks he's just better than Ben Wishon. I love that. Right. Um, there's an episode. I think I watched four episodes. I think it's three or four. Well, I should stop taking notes on these things. Where um, there's a domestic abuse, it's a suspected domestic abuse storyline that I think is the best handled dra- dramatization of that I've ever seen. Oh wow! It's so incredible. Okay. Yeah. Um, and just like moving and f- and you don't know which way it's going to go. Um, I was left like I was a shell after that episode, I have to say. Wow. In a, but in a good way because it's such a brilliant dramatization okay. of it. I think this is really, really special. And we've had, I think it's, it's it, it took, I tweeted this last night about the BBC. We've had The Responder, yeah. which is the most raw and unflinching and brutally realistic depiction of a policeman I've seen in years and now running straight on from it in the same slot is the most raw brutal and, and convincing depiction of the NHS yeah. of what it's like working in the NHS I've seen next week man on fire right a look at the fire department <laughs> yeah. on the front now, lines of flame control what I'm going to say is I don't know whether it's by accident or design but yeah. kudos to the BBC because they're both phenomenal I think phenomenal shows I know I love everything but I you love- are right though it, this is amazing it's also amazing. and I've only seen one episode so far but I watched it last night, in fact, on the train on the way home while eating McDonald's. But the less said about that, the better. Uh, I, uh, um, I, like, I couldn't couldn't stop thinking about this for most of the evening. Yeah. Like, and I was like, oh, I quite want to watch the next one, but I can't because I want to watch this fucking ITV drama instead. <laughs> but, uh, but we'll get onto that in a minute. Yeah. But I, um, but genuinely, I was like, I was like, this, like, it, there was something about it. I don't know whether it was. It just felt raw and it felt honest. The fact that it's it starts out properly funny, yeah. and by the end, it's kind of heartbreaking and traumatic, and you feel a little bit like you've been through the ringer but not in the way that I often get with shows where I'm like oh god this is just misery porn I can't be dealing with this yeah. there was something about this where it was lively and engaging and you know it, it, it kind of on the one hand it, it kind of feeds that bit that love of the NHS and that horror at what's been done to the NHS and these poor people on the front lines of the NHS yeah. but also it's this funny human drama it's got brilliant sort of period specific musical notes in there it's just not, I love the fact that he drives a Renault 5 I don't know why but that really just, <laughs> that just landed with yeah, me it's perfect. Um, but he's sleeping in the Renault mm. 5. I just, yeah, I, I I enjoyed this a great deal. And I do wonder how, because watching this, I was like, Ben Whishaw is not just good casting, he is genius casting. Yeah. He is perfect casting. Absolutely. And he might be the only casting right. for this role. Yeah, yeah. I think he is just so perfect in this yeah. in this show. Yeah. Um, I can't imagine it with anyone else. No, I really I can't. Agree, yeah, but I I think this is one of these things where it's like, do watch it because it's great, but also watch it. I just think it's it's an important show to watch, but a fun show to watch. So like, there are lots and lots of reasons mm. why you should watch it, but watch it. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. yeah. And I have one like recent NHS experience. If you have you, you know, I when I broke my arm and um it's just so because the way the doctors do treat you, like it is a love letter to the NHS. Um, Adam says that in the interview, um, because the way they deal with stuff generally, because it's such an insane life they have to deal with, yeah. is to is is with humour. Yeah. And I remember my, the doctor who dealt with me in in, in A and E when I broke my arm was so funny. Uh, he was brilliant, and every kind of everyone is. Yeah, they just have that's the way they deal. That's with how you it. get through it. Gallows humour, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, it's fantastic. <laughs> well, Yen, this is going to hurt, which begins on BBC One on Tuesday at 9 o'clock. Next up, we have No Return. Now, I'm not going to say that we wanted to review Fearin next, the exciting Josh Hartnett show that was on Sky, except we couldn't because it was embargoed. And then Boy said, hey, hey, there's this ITV show that I know you'll like, James. So we have No Return, which... Sees a family holiday to Turkey go awry when the family's 16-year-old boy is arrested. Now, 
I'm not saying the experience of watching this was akin to spending a night in a Turkish jail, but Boyd, tell us about this particular show. <laughs> oh my God. I knew this would happen. Say, I'm going <laughs> let, to. Let's, be honest. let's veil. Let's, let's draw the veil. What's the phrase? Uh, draw back the veil. Draw back the veil. I mean, yes. <laughs> James texted us saying, how, on a scale of one to ten, how ITV yeah. is this going to be? And I yeah. thought, that sums up your, your snobbery, your judgmentalism. Yeah. And he said yesterday, he's like, boy, he's going to show me up as an elitist yeah. piece of yeah. Yes, yeah. I am. Yeah. I, yes, I bloody well am. I am prepared to concede <laughs> yeah. that it is, this is me. This, this is, is all yeah, about, like, this I was watching, you. I just think this is just not for me. It is not for me on so many levels. And this, this prior to Beth being here, this would have been exactly one of those shows where I'd have been like, what am I taking crazy pills? Because you and Terry would be going, oh, it was great. I loved it. It was brilliant. The acting was brilliant. It was really compelling. On them. And I'd be like, what's wrong with you it's people? It's not me. I can't tell. Okay. It's hard to say. It's an amalgamation of both of you, but okay. without the Northern accent. Yeah. And I didn't just, I don't, and like, what was that one about the lottery winners? What was the TV show we watched about the lottery winners? Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. I was, and you yeah. two were just going on about how great it was. And I was just like, did we watch the same show? <laughs> and I do think it is oh. that I have this kind of, because I watch everything now through the, if I can sound like a twat more than usual, through the lens of peak TV. I see right. things like yes. this. And I'm like, peak TV, yes. this is not. Um, well, no. I mean, as I used to say, when we did have these shows that weren't supposed to be peaked and didn't want self-consciously trying to be, you know, all so actually cinematic and, you know, big. This is an intimate story about a family, you know, on holiday in, um, is it Turkey? Turkey, yeah. Turkey, who has, turns into the nightmare holiday from hell because their 16-year-old son is accused of sexually assaulting another boy and is put in prison and Sheldon Smith is the mother and she's distraught, of course, about her beloved son. And it's not, it's not, Trying to be, you know, some epic sci-fi fantasy, you know, thing, foundation thing. <laughs> um, it's no, it's it trying to be a believable story of the kind of thing that actually happens to people in the real world. This does, does this happen to people, a lot? Hundred percent. Danny Brockhurst wrote this. So Danny Brockhurst, who I am a fan of, because he does adapt those Harlan Coben yeah. um, stories. So Harlan Coben comes up with stories for those shows on Netflix. Yeah. But Danny Brockhurst is he does most of the writing, and he's a very accomplished, I think, writer yeah. of believable dialogue and believable stories and plotting. And with this, what he does, so that's that, that's the main premise, but there's little subplots going on. So Sheridan Smith's sister is on holiday with them, with her husband. There's something mysterious and weird about him. He's doing something weird. They've got a little kid who's got ADHD, and I thought it was a really believable um, uh, element of the show. Um, everyone's got their little stories on, on top of this main central story, which is, I think, in instantly fascinating because you want to know what the fuck is going to happen to this poor kid and what extent did he, you know, did he sexually molest this other kid or was it just, a, you know, were they just, was it consensual? All that, the idea of consent is coming into the whole thing. So I'm instantly gripped and I don't, I don't, I'm surprised that you're not instantly gripped, frankly. So, and it is actually well shot and, and directed within the bounds of what it's trying to be. You know, there is a kind of a visual, it's kind of like a got a bleached out summary visual look to it in fact you know um, because it is set in, in, in that setting yeah it's a very dark obviously the story itself is dark and disturbing and kind of horrific basically this this nightmare situation there's lots of interesting elements the, the, their lawyer is this kind of larger than life <laughs> doofus isn't he yeah I mean he is a doofus but you think kind of you believe it because lawyers are show men often and show women and he is definitely one of those um, but it's got lots of interesting strands so I told and Sheridan Smith we have to say, Sheridan Smith, who lo only last week was the teacher in the Channel 5 drama that you also refused to watch, <laughs> <laughs> where she was accused of having an affair with the, uh, one of her students. And tonally is quite similar, actually, 
Um, but she can fucking sell anything. Yeah. She really can. Do not underestimate the Smith. Because she's <laughs> fucking great. She's totally believable. Every And this is hard stuff to make it real that she's on a constant state of stress yeah. about her baby boy in prison for this unthinkable crime. And she fucking does it brilliantly. So, yeah, I unapologetically, I'm, I'm really fascinated by the show. And I watched the first one and I immediately had to watch the second one, which I did. And now, I'm, and now I need to watch the last two, which I haven't got access to yet and I'm kind of annoyed because I want access to the last three <laughs> to find out how, what, what it turns out. The deciding vote then falls <laughs> to Beth. <laughs> I mean, I think I, well, I agree with Sheridan Smith. I think she's basically female Stephen Graham yes. like in terms of like range yeah. and what she could bring to any TV show. Uh, I did have to say that I really enjoyed the the very slight setup before the crime, which I quite liked. It didn't dilly dally around too much, but they were on this like all packaged, all inclusive holiday in Turkey. They were singing all about that bass and karaoke, and the thought of James having to watch this <laughs> yes. gave me so much joy in same, my heart. Yeah, so even though I knew something yeah. bad was coming, the fact that I knew that James Summer oh. Summer was like seething watching these yeah. like people yeah. doing karaoke all about that bass made me laugh so much. <laughs> so much I I thought this was pretty gripping I think the young performer who plays Noah Louis Ashbourne Circus was very very good yeah, um, and there's a few little seedlings that have been planted he's got bruising on his body which they show quite early that's not to do with the assault so there's obviously bits woven in and out there's clearly something going on with Sheridan Smith's Kathy and her husband Martin where like they seem like a pretty ordinary couple but it seems like perhaps they're on rocky ground before this even happens. Um, I just, I thought it was very gripping. I thought the, the story was very interesting. I'm just, I'm not as scared as you whatsoever. What your snigger at? I, I prefer shows that sort of push the needle a little bit in terms of like, I just think at this stage I needed something a little bit different. For for me to engage with this personally, I'm wouldn't say I'm a fan of these shows in like mm. the same vein as as what Terry is, but I think I've seen a lot of these now. I would like to see a slightly different spin. Look how <laughs> I say, you are. I, this is a considered critique. I'm <laughs> like yours. Just what I said, but more polite. No, <laughs> not really. at all. No, just maybe like a little bit of genre, or if they were going to maybe heighten. So the lawyer in this, for example, is like all but dripping with grease. Like he comes. <laughs> comes along in this like bright blue car blaring the boys are back in town out of it he's got gold dripping off him he's not he's very patronising he keeps calling Sheridan Smith's character mum instead of her name you know mum dad you need to be doing this you need to be doing that obviously as well there's the, the added context that they're on holiday they're abroad and so there's you know they're operating within a different judicial system which is, is can, can we talk about the judicial system for a second here there is a bit where, where the first time he gets to talk to his parents in the presence of his lawyer and they're saying, right, you need to tell the truth. Tell us what really happened. I was like, the investigating officer is sitting, he's right there. Yeah, he's standing yeah. right there. Have you never heard of, you know, attorney-client privilege? Let's send the fucking police out the room. What yeah. are you doing? They're like, and the son's like equivocating. No, no, son, tell the truth. The guy is next yeah. to you. What is happening? Yeah, that was a bit, I mean, they, when Kathy would show this character, like, no, we don't want a lawyer. We don't want a lawyer. It looks like he's guilty. And I'm like, sweetheart, you've got to get a lawyer. Yeah. You've got that as your baby boy. Don't you call the embassy? Like, if you get arrested in yeah. the front, isn't, don't you, the first right, thing I'm you do is speak to the embassy. I'm not going to with you. I'm okay. not going to. Yeah. I will say, I will say, just in this show's defence, when I heard the premise, like, you know, family of 
Brits go abroad, the sun gets banged out. I thought, oh God, this feels very Brexity to me. Like I just thought, oh God, but it actually isn't. It isn't. It's, not. it's actually much more nuanced than that because it's not like, oh, he's been fitted up for this thing. You're actually very unclear about his culpability, like the, his sister. There's some revelations about what's going on. You're, okay, I really don't know what is going on here. There seems to be, you know, there are a lot of layers, a lot of, yeah. lots, a lot, a lot of things going on. So yeah, no, genuinely, <laughs> that, that, it isn't as terrible as I had suspected it would be. So there you go. That's my, that's my favourite. I I think they do deal with the embassy. Don't they? Don't isn't there a woman from the embassy, or at least an official who suggests a lawyer? And there's, I think there is that. I think they do address that. Did they? I didn't. I didn't see that bit. I might have been. I might have been sort of bashing my head against the arm of the sofa at that point. Yeah, and it's about fortnight since I've actually watched it, so I can't. I I can't remember. But I'm I'm sure they do address that in 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 it. Okay, albeit briefly. Sure. Um, I think actually that they've they've done. I think funnily enough, in terms of the accuracy of the legal situation, they have taken time to make mm. it accurate so, I'm just, so maybe they don't get time alone with yeah the I don't th- I, think I, mean, I've no is, idea. I think all of that is pretty accurate I have yeah. to say we need what, Helen from, O'Hara from, don't we? we do although she, her knowledge of the Turkish judicial system is probably quite limited. I you know what? I'm very interested in what Beth says. <laughs> and slightly what you said. Um, but do you know what? There, I was probably sort of similar more. And then there's one moment, and I, again, I really should stop remembering whether it's in episode one or two, <laughs> where the dad tells um, mm. the wife episode one. about the incident. Yeah. 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 You know what I'm referring to? Yeah. 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 I yeah. thought that was a brilliant moment because yeah. it kind of explained very clearly the effect that that might have had on the kid yeah. on the son I thought that so that for me alone almost that moment I thought rang so yeah. true and the effect that one sentence to your kid can kind of impact their whole life Yeah, I thought that was really interesting so yeah. that was the moment that got me uh, you know I what thought. I will say about this show is, is show it, it it really stressed me out yeah. like really stressed to, me yeah. out and so I was obviously engaged with it emotionally on some level. I think you've ended up. Because it stressed the shit out. And maybe it's brilliant. You know what? I'm going to watch them all. It did. I was so fucking stressed out when I this think finished. I want to, to want to put this as part of your general anti-ITV mainstream drama, you know, where you define yourself as being against. Yeah. But in reality, yeah. you want to carry on watching it as well. The thing is, watching this is just off-brand for me. I can't, exactly. I can't, I can't possibly like it. That's it's come down to. Yeah, I think fake James Dyer probably and... really enjoys it. Yeah. But actual me, yeah. real James Dyer, I just can't be watching exactly. it. That's it. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Well, either way, either way, I... You know, it's available on. When is it out? Come, it's on ITV. I know that. ITV Monday tonight, nine PM. Yeah. You did say, in answer to my question, how ITV is the show, you did say a seven or eight out of ten. <laughs> the funny thing is, just we, that was a, literally, uh, at that moment, I was in the whole initial explanation of their world, of their war on holiday. And oh, right. the same as Beth, I was thinking James is going to, because it's literally, I've been through uncovered the drama know, the first yeah, ten minutes. And that is. was the moment where you got me with that question. Okay, okay. And you were like, yep, this is very ITV. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, right. Before we go, before we go, I should mention Starstruck Season 2 is out this week as well. And we do need to talk about this briefly. I've not seen it. Beth and Boyd have. uh, And I was told in no uncertain terms, if we didn't cover it, Beth would drown both of us in a feline drinking fountain. So, uh, (laughs) Beth, please tell us about this. What a way to go. What a way to go. Yes. No, so this is uh, Rose Matafeo's kind of baby love child. Um, She stars as Jessie in the show, who in the first season, uh, she's a New Zealand expat who lives in London. Uh, She works in a a beautiful cinema in East London, which I go to sometimes called the Castle Cinema. Shout out. And um, she works in the cinema. She's a bit of a kind of meandering, not got much going on. And then she has a one night stand with uh, Nikesh Patel's Tom who 
it transpires as a movie star. Uh, and the first season is about them kind of wrestling with the dynamics of what could potentially be a, a great relationship. But obviously, she's a bit of a deadbeat. He's movie star. It's like the, it's like the reverse of Notting Hill. Um uh, and then at the end of the first season, she decides she was going to go back to New Zealand because she's quite lonely, doesn't really know anyone, but she decides to stay for him. And there's a very sweet moment where they're both on a bus together and uh, the bus stops at her stop and they just keep going on the bus. It's very sweet. Like that anti-graduate, basically. Mm-hmm. Except they're very, very happy. And then the f- <laughs> the second season picks up directly after that moment with Jesse freaking the fuck out at a bus stop. Like, straight after the big romantic gesture and the whole second season is about, okay, but what happens after you do the big romantic gesture? You know, what would happen after the credits roll, in fact? And it is just so wonderfully comedic and handles that in a really enchanting way where it kind of, yeah, takes the romantic comedy, cracks it open and shows you this kind of glorious insides. Um, it's got a great supporting cast. Uh, Emma Siddy's in this, who's a kind of burgeoning comedian. Al Roberts, who I absolutely love in Stafford's Flats. It's got this really wonderful side of London to it that isn't quite Richard Curtis, but it's like what people like me would consider to be a Richard Curtis. You know, like £4 for coffee and that's quite glamorous. <laughs> Um, so it's got that to it the chemistry between Nikesh Patel and Rose Matafeo is wonderful Rose Matafeo I think is is fantastic I want to see her do loads more stuff she's kind of really built this show from the ground up she was in a great uh, film called Baby Done um, last year which is very very funny I really really want to see her do lots and lots more things Um, this was a big win for me a a film we should point out in which she is a pregnant lumberjack yes so Yes, she is. Yeah. Uh, but in this, yeah, she's just she kind of continues that deadbeat, but in a very, very charming, funny, wonderful way. Yeah, I loved it. Loved it. Yeah, it was one of the best things of last year, wasn't it? The first series. Yes. And they've done, and the second series is equally fantastic. I watched, I think I watched four or five. I've watched, I've watched the whole thing. Watched the whole thing. Yeah, it. I mean, yeah. it is so addictive. Yeah. Um, Russell Tovey turns yeah. out episode four as a British <laughs> film director who I feel has echoes of real life British film directors so I, I interviewed Rose for the next issue and she maintains not anyone uh, in particular okay. All right. but well, a no collection names. A col- of, right. of terrible yes. British okay. terrible directors. terrible British male yeah. film directors yeah. um, I, I loved Mini Driver I love oh the episode is his agent yeah. there's this episode which is a party around his house he's in his lavish film stars mansion and everyone in that party is amazing and terrible yeah, and is. funny yeah. and awful. It's just full of brilliant observations, isn't it? Of, yeah. of the, each of each other's lives. And I totally believe in the relationship. So yes. yeah, it's a, it's a really fantastic show. Yes. BBC Three, Monday, 10 o'clock and all on iPlayer. Uh, as we speak. Indeed. James. Indeed. And what else are we missing this week? Obviously, Fear in Next, which we mentioned, which is the Robert Harris adaptation miniseries on Sky Atlantic. There's on 10th of February and 9pm with Josh Hartnett in that. Star Trek Discovery returns to whatever that Pluto thing is. Um, <laughs> Pluto TV, uh, season 4B. So the next part of, uh, of season 4 on the 11th. So that'll be back on Friday. Uh, what else is happening this week? What else has there been, Boyd? Inventing Anna. Yes. yes. The, um, Shonda Rhimes, who actually has written this show, because often Shonda Rhimes just produces her mm. stuff. She's written this, which is a, based on a true life New York Magazine article um, about a woman who kind of masquerades as a wealthy German heiress and schmoozed New York high society. Um, that looks really interesting. Oh, Magpie. Murders is on Britbox on Thursday with 
that are amazing. Leslie Manville, um, uh, Conleth Hill from Game of Thrones. It's a 50s, um, it, it spans 50s and the modern day, and it's like an adaptation of Anti Horowitz's um, novel, um, which looks quite good. If you've got BritBox, nine one one is back on Sky Witness, and now season on five, season five of, of that has suddenly happened. That seems like again yesterday that that started. <laughs> yeah, Pal- oh, it's from pa- your favourite Beth. It's Ryan Murphy's procedural. Exactly. <sighs> right, yes, very much one of my favourites. Um, I think that's the main gist of it. Yes. That's that's the bulk of it. So, pick of the week. This is going to hurt. Yeah, surely. I mean, starstruck for me, but of the ones we've we've reviewed, this is going yeah, to hurt. Yeah, very much so. It's yeah. very, very good indeed. Okay, right, well, that is it for this week's show. Uh, we do hope you enjoyed it, and if you want to leave us a nice review on Apple Podcasts, and at least 90% of you have not, uh, then please do. It's a big help in getting more people to catch the show, plus it really annoys Empire's Chris Hewitt, so do it for that <laughs> as well. And while you're in the generous mood, please do follow at Pilot TV Pod on Instagram and Twitter and sling the show a like on Facebook. There's a lot going on now over on our social channels these days, so it's definitely worth your time. Uh, plus, do find us individually at James C. Dyer, at Boyd Hilton, and at Beth K. Webb. Uh, next week's show will probably see us heading back to Bel Air for the Fresh Prince's dramatic reimagining uh, and watching a bunch of other very, very, very fine shows that... I haven't had a chance to look up, but uh, they'll be excellent and uh, well worth your listening to us talk about, mark my words. Um, Sure. In the meantime, uh, (laughs) all this talk is kind of making me a bit thirsty and uh, there's a cat-sized drinking fountain with my name on it. So uh, I'm off to, uh, to have a little bit of refreshment. Pilot out.